welcome to Exit Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper, with me, uh, who just stole motor from a boat. It's Claire Williams. Um, I would love to know, what have you seen that's pretty good recently, before we kick things off? Um, I, I, so I've been working a lot lately, and so it's been hard to, like, when you come home, it's just one of those things where it's like, I want to do something mind-numbing, like video games or whatever, not necessarily, like, be enraptured by a movie. I, I sometimes try to get one or two in. Um, I, God, what have I seen recently? It's, um, I think I watched Malignant. No, Malignant might have been one of the last ones I saw, which is fucking gnarly. Oh, no, no, I, okay. I watched... Um, no spoilers, no spoilers. No God. Spoilers. No spoilers, no spoilers. But I, so, like... What what's today? The nineteenth. So like four days ago, I finished um, Underground Railroad, mm-hmm. the Barry Jenkins series. Um, it took me, I think, three or four days to fit, watch it because it's one of those things where you like you watch like two episodes, and you're like, all right, I'm done for like the day. <laughs> like the first day, I watched f- the first four because it's one of those things like those first like two or three episodes is like a lot of it's some cliffhanger mm-hmm. stuff. Like, oh, what's gonna happen next? Even though it's pretty like like horribly exhausting to watch even but it's so engrossing and it's like then when like you're in the middle of that series things start to be and not like stuff doesn't like the stuff doesn't like stop happening but you can there's more like okay i can take a break at mm-hmm. this moment there are more time jumps um and so yeah no it took me like three or four days to finish just in like, it's the best thing oh I've yeah seen yeah all year. And, and barry can purposely made it to to feel like that you can take your time and start and stop whenever you want and um that's that's exactly. the beauty of the miniseries format but i think especially here it applies um he has a great interview on the watch yeah. with uh, andy freemold and chris ryan about just the format and uh, the freedom that amazon gave him it's a pretty great interview it shows it's like william jackson harper it, for like, me oh, is the they MVP let him do any show too just want who, who's william MVP? jackson harper yeah. yeah oh i mean yeah i mean i just a lot of great character actors and a lot and like such like such a you know bold move to put two unknowns in the face of your show or like just unknown names like like just their careers their careers blossom yeah after the show i mean joel edgerton is like the second lead character so so he so he's definitely not a no name but like still he's not there's no like movie star in this Mm. movie or sorry in this miniseries and you and you would especially think with a series like this coming off of something like um, If Beale Street and Moon Talk, or no, Moon, not Jesus, uh, Moonlight. <laughs> um, God, wow, you can tell I work today. Um, but yeah, no, like coming after like those two movies, you would think Barry would have carte blanche, you could cast anyone he wants. But like he, like you said, Jack, it's like a lot of people who don't have a ton of credits. Like um, the guy who plays Caesar, who's like our m- main lead for the f- first few episodes. Um, he's he's the same actor who played mid-sized sedan yes. in old. Yes. Uh, so he's having a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, two very different things. Two very different projects. Um, but like, yeah, and like, of course, the lead. He had a um, nosebleed too, forget, actually. I, I forget her name. Thurusu Mbudo is like really good, and there's also like in you know. It's funny that, like, the whole show only has, like, three consistent, like, actors in the sense of who is listed as the mm-hmm. cast, um, which is, I don't think I've seen before. It's, like, usually a little, like, a few more, but it's only, like, three. It's, like, 
lead, the lead actress um, Chase Dillon, who's like the who plays like a kid, and Joel Edgerton. That's it. And not, and also, and, but like all three of them aren't in every episode. There are like one or two episodes where just they're not in. Yeah, I think um, it, it yeah, just no, like kind incredible. of ends cool. with I mean, directed the, by Barry Jenkins for every title card. Yeah. Right, and like, um, it's it's incredible. It's the second the second best thing I've seen from him. Um, I don't know if anything can really beat Moonlight for me, but uh, it's the best thing I've seen all year. And that penultimate ep- like the episode right before the finale is. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since, and it's it's yeah. like pretty haunting. It's it, all it's, it's all like the haunting. highest highs and the lowest lows. Mm-hmm. It's so it's incredible. It's it it's truly. Amazon really, even though they gave him all this, like, not necessarily a blank check, but they gave him, like, so much, like, room to play. Uh, not play, but, like, do what he wanted. Um, they really fucked up the marketing. They really fucked it up. Yeah, it, it just came like, out. It, it just doesn't. Yeah. Like, th- I mean, we'll see what happens with uh, it, the... I mean, because we're recording this on an Emmy's and it could, could be, like... Yeah. It's lost, like, yeah. everything. Like, it's not going to win a yeah. thing. So, it's, like, it's just... It, there's just... It, it, it's pretty. It, it's a pretty disheartening thing to see that in yeah. small acts just be like completely like yeah, Amazon like, for, forgotten. Uh, not really living up. Right. right. It, it, it's also like I guess it was also an indictment on the Emmys as an organization, but also like Amazon just like not really caring about it. It it really shows that they have so like they can take as many hits as they want. Like they don't really try with a lot of their content. They just like put it out there. Yeah. yeah. Which is sad. you do wonder. Uh, what kind of damage if any small acts would have done if they decided to go for Oscars instead of Emmys? Um, I don't. Well, I, could they? Yeah, like, yeah. It's it's very very tricky like, uh, uh, lines there. But as for myself, I'm I keep finding right. myself digging into the bag that uh, Criterion has whenever they um, announce what's going to be leaving their their streaming site. And Cutter's Way, I've heard a lot of good things about, and it's. It's real solid. It's one of the the few John Hurd performances that he's truly unrecognizable I've seen. Like, Jeff Bridges is really, really good in it, too. It's about Jeff Bridges' character um, discovering a person dumping a body and trying to find the person um, when, like, they, they're not even, like, detectives or police or anything. They're just, like, a group of friends that decide to follow maybe a murderer. <laughs> and along the way, it's right. it's just about them, like, interrogating... Uh, themselves and the relationship to one another, because um, it, and it's very like hot off of uh, Vietnam too, uh, and John Hurd's character is kind of like reflecting on PTSD and stuff. It's it's real good. It's uh, from this. Um, uh, oh my gosh, what, what country is the filmmaker from? Um, Czech. I, I knew that. <laughs> it's a Czech filmmaker, Ivan Passer, um, and it's sort of like along the era when like Milos Forman uh, was also coming about. So it's real good it, maybe maybe like it might not be available for much longer as this episode is coming out um that's that but that's right. definitely the best thing i saw um this past week uh brian doyle is here hello how's it going um lovely to have you hi what have, i'm very good yeah what have you seen recently that's pretty great um i've had to i've been watching a lot of horror movies lately because for my school magazine i pitched a a listicle about underseen horror movies on streaming so i was watching a lot of horror movies this past month um funny that you mentioned cutter's way which i haven't seen but it's on my watch list and i'll maybe try to get to it on criterion before the end of the month but i also watched um 
uh, Death Dream uh, by Bob Clark, which is also on Criterion yeah, Channel, that's and that's like really, really that's good. That's on my watch yeah, list to that, get to before the end of the month. So, yeah. yeah, and it's crazy that that movie came out. Like, I think it might have been filmed in like '72, but it came out in '74, like the year before. I think the Vietnam War like technically ended, and like that movie, like it's just like you feel like such a sense of bracing anger throughout the whole movie. Because for those of you who uh, who are listening who don't know about the movie, it's um about this Vietnam soldier or a soldier in Vietnam uh, who gets shot at the beginning of the movie, and then. He comes back somehow inexplicably alive, but then like you start realizing that he's undead, and he's like just starts feeding off of like other people in the town, and his whole family just sort of deteriorates throughout the whole movie. And there is like just like a very like kind of startling sense of rage to the movie as this guy just sort of is taking out all his frustrations about how his country just sort of discarded him and taking it out on like everyone else in his town, and also like how sort of like the influence of that like pushing to go to the war like his dad is like a world war ii veteran and like he's like he's blamed for like in the movie often like plays like domestic drama as much as it plays like horror and it's like such a devastating movie i mean it's incredibly sad but also like very scary i mean like if you've seen like black christmas it has like a lot of the same shots the same kind of like sort of like groaning scored it like just like sounds like the darkest sounds you've ever heard and like the really kind of jittery pov shots like for some of the killing scenes it's like really Unnerving Does it stuff, have any a Christmas good. story um, in it? <laughs> you know what? It's funny you say that. I actually, I'm not even joking. Last Christmas, I did a double bill of Bob Clark movies. It was Death Dream and No Christmas Story. And I will tell you, Christmas Story does have like it's the same cinematographer and I think the same composer. And it like, but no, even like some shots from like the kids like going up to like up the stairs to go talk to Santa. It's like a jittery POV shot. I'm like, why does this look like a murder scene from Black Christmas? Like it looks like someone's about to get murked. Like it's so right. And and, I mean, when Um, the kid gets up to Santa, it's like, oh, oh, oh. (laughs) And and, and, like, of course, that's the perfect child's perspective on on to like this this uh, this man that you're like, oh my god, I'm uncomfortable and comfortable at the same time, but. Yeah. Um, I also want to. I think, Bryden, you were the one who actually recommended. I was, you know, in a horror vibe a little while ago, and you. I think you. You were the one who recommended me Deaf Dream. That was like, such a banger. Like really, really good movie. Really compelling. Really kind of heartbreaking. Um, uh, I. I think. Um, what was I gonna say? Yeah. No, that movie is kind of. It, it's one of those films you're like oh this just perfectly captures everything going on at this moment mm-hmm. in culture it's just one of those like even though it's not like it wasn't like a crazy blockbuster or insanely like had insane award buzz so it, it, it's not like prominent in our zeitgeist but it is like such a cultural footprint not sorry not footprint but like a cultural encapsulation of like the feeling on yeah. Vietnam at the time and like what and how like and like our our um, how we would uh, ostracize veterans, especially of that mm-hmm. war, um, is yeah no it's that really that anger in the late seventies like, early eighties really well is so raw and um, like unnerving and just also the despair. It's a very yeah. like it, it's like that movie is like oh everything's fucking hopeless. Like it's really, it's really mm-hmm. somber and but like super compelling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean it was like one of those ones. I rewatched it uh, and like it was like because I'd watched it last Christmas and I was rewatch it for like a purpose but then like i was thinking why did i like hesitate to rewatch this and then like within like five minutes i'm like yeah this is like the most depressing movie ever like i understand <laughs> why so fucking held off on it. but it's it, it's great it's it's really yeah. like a fantastic movie yeah. It, yeah it's short too it's like yes an hour wow. 30 or something yeah. listen to bryden folks anytime he's ever recommended a movie it's been good it's <laughs> i, I listen to him you. um 
okay, now let's get, that's a great transition, actually. Let's give some context to you, some context for you as, as just a viewer. Um, we want to learn how you get into, how you, the, how you first got into movies. Like, if there's something that made you fall in love with, uh, with this as an art form, made you want to pursue it. Yeah. I was thinking about, the, I've thought about this a lot. I mean, I, and I've writ, talked about it with people just in my life about how the movies that I watched as a kid, like, growing up, like, there was, like, I think when I was, like, four or five, like, the rotating VHS tapes in my house were, like, Shrek, the first two Toy Story movies, and Spy Kids. And my parents, I mean, my memories from that part of my life are kind of sketchy, just because I think that's just the part of being a kid. But, like, my mom says, like, Shrek sort of taught me how to speak, because I would, like, say lines from Shrek and try to do the Shrek voice, I think, when I was a kid. (laughs) I have no memory of doing this, but that's what my mom says. Um... Those were big movies for me when I was a kid. Were you impersonating um, other characters? Like, I really got to work on my Eddie Murphy. Some, some one of these times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> my um, lift out needs work, guys. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. Th- those were the big movies for me when I was a kid. I feel like another one that was big for me when I was, like, 11 or maybe 10 was... This is... And it's funny just, like, thinking about these movies being big for me because I haven't revisited them in forever. Uh, but, like, I remember loving 500 Days of Summer when I was, like, 10 or 11 and saying, that's, like, my favorite movie. It's a perfect movie. And, like, writing, when, like, I find ways to write about it and say, like, oh, the scene when, like, he leaves the party and, like, it all, like, goes, like, desaturated yeah, yeah. looks like a picture. Were you obsessed like, with the reality just, like, and expectations frame? Like, <laughs> that was the genius. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think even into high school, I, like, used that and, like, to drive them a point in, like, a PowerPoint presentation for a class, which, like, deeply embarrassing, probably, in retrospect. And I, that's another movie I'm, like, scared to revisit. Yeah. And whenever my mom brings it up, she says, like, you love that movie. I'm like, I did. And then, like, I just, like, sort of stay quiet whenever it's brought up because I just don't Mom, know. Mom, you don't understand. Yeah, I was at right? a time my in my life. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, that, I mean, that movie also taught me about the penis game. Like, Deschanel and Levitt would always... Like that was a big thing. Um, yeah, there was this one joke that I always um, that I always thought of in Five Hundred Days, where um, uh, Summer she was like, "Yeah, in college I was known as the anal girl," and he kind of like does a spit take, and he's like, "Yeah, because I was really well organized." <laughs> but, Did not get that joke yeah, when I was ten. Yeah, me, me neither. <laughs> yeah. What you yeah. didn't? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. oh, the the really funny example yeah. that sticks in my mind of that is when. Uh, I saw the trailer for The House Bunny as, like, a kid, like, when I was 10, and there's a joke in that movie where, like, you know, she, Anna Faris plays, like, a playboy bunny who, like, comes to, like, a sorority. Am I wrong, I or is, that, is um, that also 2009? I think that sounds about right. 2008, I think. Summer 2008. Yeah. But there's, like, a scene where, like, you know, she's, like, dressed in, like, kind of, like, a revealing outfit, and, like, she wants to right. be a house mother, but then, like, someone, I think it's Beverly D'Angelo, says, mm-hmm. like, this is a sorority, not a brothel. And then Anna Faris says, oh, I'm not here to make soup. And I didn't get that joke <laughs> at the time, and I'd be, like, asking my brother, what does that mean? And he's, like, I'm doesn't matter like it's <laughs> just let it go i don't know if that's the worst joke or the best yeah, joke yeah, i'm yeah. so sorry I, mean, like, I can't even i remember yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> right that's a that's such it's, so, it's such it's, like a late right. 2000s studio comedy kind of bit but, um, right 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 it's not like it's dirty but it isn't like offensive it's like one of those things where i'm like we're trying to be yeah. super bad but we don't want to actually cross <laughs> i mean it was em- i think it was emma stone's like big big follow-up to super bad too or wait yeah. she's yeah. in that she is she's one of the she's like a supporting role she's like one of the girls who gets like a big a big makeover where it's like oh my gosh this girl's actually beautiful it's like okay (laughs) okay all right all right that's 
Oh, Hollywood. Yeah. You never cease to amaze me. You never do. You know, like, it, it, you, you think they're out of the game, and then you're like, oh, they do They this, reel you back in. Yeah, you're Pacino in Godfather 3. Yeah. Um, right. Oh, man. Yeah, so you're, you're, really, you're, um, you're like, I love 500 Days. Um, that was that was maybe a Shrek. Shrek, yeah. Yeah, and again, like, I feel like those were just, those, I'm like, I'm not diminishing whether or not, I haven't seen those movies in, like, 10 years, mm-hmm. so it, I right. have no idea where I stand on them now, but, like, they were, yeah. those were, I, I think those were, like, important yeah. movies, and movies, right. and you're not, not a just, Mark like, Webb an indicator of my taste at the time. Yeah. <laughs> right, you're not, like, go, yeah, you're not, like, still, like, going to bat for Mark Webb, like, you know what, guys, all right. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Amazing Spider-Man yeah. 1 and 2. <laughs> they're actually kind of... Right. Yeah, I watched Garfield the, is the, my the, Spider-Man. the Netflix show, The Society, for him. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. right, right. Yes. You're not a web stan. <laughs> yeah, the big joke at that time was like that was why he was offered Spider Man, like Mark Webb. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, of course his yeah. last oh name Webb. Ha 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 ha. It's just Oh my gosh. Um I mean that is indicative of those movies where like the, it'll just be someone makes an indie movie. It's like, do you wanna like make a movie about superheroes fighting? It's like I, I mean, I guess my movie was just people talking yeah. in rooms, but sure. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Like that was on I mean that's like the big trend this decade is like i mean it, that's sort of how it always worked but that this is like how um young filmmakers are constantly brought up it's like they make a big indie movie it makes a splash big splash at Dun- sundance and then like they're offered you know like jurassic world or the next king kong it's like oh my god yeah and, yeah yes. whether it succeeds or fails is like up to that circumstance but it's like oh my god this is every time um yeah like the rooster brothers made me my girl and Irene. You, me, and Dupree. No, you, me, and Dupree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what? What's wait? What's the what's the um Jim Carrey one? Me, me myself, me, and, myself Irene. and Irene. That's Fairly yeah, Brothers. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. I think that. Yeah. I get those yeah. Um, but but um, after that, like, did you have something that clicked for you, and you're like, I I need to just follow this passion, and and yeah, yeah like I need to dig and dig and dig. Oh, okay. So I think this is key. I feel like probably when I was like in third grade, I thought like the natural progression would be like being a filmmaker. But then I think, right? I don't know. I think it's. I, I think we had one of Richard Roper's books in our household at the time, and he was like the co-host of at the movies because uh, Ebert was out sick. And I think I started watching that when I was like ten or something. I think like I remember watching the episode where they reviewed The Dark Knight mm-hmm. in '08. And then I started watching all the different iterations with like Mankiewicz and Lyons, then Scott and Phillips, and then Vishnevetsky and Lemire. I, think I remember A. that was the A. one A. I was going to ride or die was, for. Was one, right? Is, or maybe was, yeah, Scott I, and Phillips. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, and um, I watched all those iterations, and I had, like they would have like clips of like the older shows. I remember like an Eber when Eber presents at the movies was on, which was Christy Lemire and Ignati Vishnevetsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had like. Uh, class, there was an episode, there was like a streak of episodes in like August or September where they were just showing classics from the vault, like old Cisco and Ebert episodes where they talked about like right. homosexuality in movies or like performances that the Oscars ignored that they felt were great. And I remember just being, and I had like Roger Ebert books that like I started getting for Christmas. And I think that's around the turning point where I was like, I really would be interested in doing this. And I think that is like the summer 2011 when I was like, 12 going on 13 that's when i started like a blog for myself and i'm not going to talk I'm, I'm i'm not i'm going to be very limited with the information i give about this because it's embarrassing probably to read but that's when i started right. like thinking oh yeah i'm gonna try writing movie reviews like right. that's like a fun career okay path. so you can just send yeah. the link later and we'll tweet it it's fine you can just yeah, yeah, yeah we, we won't, won't do, do it now but yeah, like, yeah. we won't pop 
we won't put it on the podcast Twitter or yeah. our personal. We won't Twitter. put it on Instagram. We yeah, yeah, sure. it's fine. We won't dig it out. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. Why would we yeah, do we, that? Why would we do we that? We won't s- do that. send out this we episode, and we'll just send out this blog. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's not yeah, going to be yeah. in the bio or anything. <laughs> like, we're not going to put it in the bio. Like, why? Yeah, would we do would, that? Like, yeah. I don't know why. That's you're so dumb, that, and so. it's not professional at all. But right. We're like really cool yeah. and really trustworthy yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. so I don't we know. We have people that can find things on the internet, but definitely not yours. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, 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 no. Why yours? We want to do that. Come on. So you start the block. We're all just. Is, is what we're saying. And yeah, then you you're like, okay, then I'm. And then you find your passion for writing. Is that way? Is that yeah, way? What was the like... first? Mm-hmm. What was the filmmaker that Ebert got you on? Like, I was like, oh, yeah. I gotta, I gotta watch like, this. Because, like, Ebert oh, was, was always. So I'm about that. Like, like was a touchdown um, for you. Like Justin Lin and Carl Rosetta Stone. Like, they were always like, promoted right. by Ebert. I mean, yeah, that's probably how I first heard about like Carl Franklin, like reading old reviews of like, you know, One False Move. I think that was like one of his. I, I mean, we, I have the book of like all of Ebert's four star movies, and that's where like uh, One False Move fits in there. And I, I didn't see that movie until college, though. So like, that's not quite the same. But like that, that, I mean, that movie's a yeah, masterpiece. But um. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of like filmmakers that he got me into. Uh, this is a really good question. I because I know for me it's Richard Link. What about for movies? me it's Richard Linklater. What about movies? What about movies you went out of your way to be like, well, Ebert liked this. So. Yeah, I mean, because like Ebert was still reviewing stuff like around the time that I was like, you know, like I think he 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 died in 2013 when I was like in eighth grade. So like that was um I was he I, but I was still able to like read his criticism. And I do remember like loading up on my iPad like. I wouldn't have internet access, but I'd like say to my mom, like, "Hey, do you want me to read these reviews to you, like, in the car ride to school or whatever?" And it was hell yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, what I'm trying to think of movies that he reviewed that I would go see. Um, I'm trying to think of like 2012. So let me, you know what? Let me actually check some of the 2012 or 2011 releases that I saw that year because there's probably something in I- there that I saw because of him. Please talk if if you have. Oh no no no! I I, I had the my great movies or not my sorry the great movies the great movies book the first one, I read that a lot and that's I think how I learned about four hundred blows and that's what like oh I guess I gotta watch this since Ebert was like this is great I'm like all right I guess I gotta trust Ebert on this. Oh okay, yeah this is a this is a big one. He would like sell me on movies that like I wasn't convinced of. Like I remember seeing the trailers for Rango and thinking it looked really bad, but then he gave it four stars and I was like. Well, this movie must be great if he really likes it. And I saw it and was like, this is lovely. I, and I did, like, actually, like, think that. I wasn't, like, just like, well, if I, I, I think exactly like Ebert. This is what I think now. Um, right. But it's, uh, yeah, that movie is, that was a big one. I'm really glad that he pushed me to go see that. And then, he, and and then you're just like, I'm a Verbinski head for life now. I need to. Every pilot. Not, so. not so much. I mean, I haven't seen You didn't, you didn't cure but, wellness? Uh, yeah. Is that what <laughs> I never actually saw that one, although I added it to my watch list recently because I think someone, one of our friends, like shared like the Slant Magazine piece of like the best horror movies of this century, and that was on yeah. there. I was like, yeah. I really should check that yeah, out. Same, um, same. But yeah, yeah, those lists. I'm, I, you know, they're you're gonna see all of them during this time of year, and you know, I'm always, I, I don't know, I'm always like, because I feel like I'm so, especially with a genre you're so like uninitiated mm-hmm. with, or at least you feel you are. Like, you know, the, the, like, now I'm, like, trying to get, so I just watched, like, I think I watched, like, Deep Red, like, a few weeks ago. I've probably mentioned it on the podcast. And so now I'm, like, all right, Argento, where are some more Giallo films? Like, all right, let's, let's do this, baby. Mario Bava. Like, like but it's so, like, yeah, it's, like, so, like, basically, um, it feels so, uh, 
uh, overwhelming to be like it's just like, it's like a, a whole nother genre of film that you're just like ah, I don't know mm-hmm. and so I think those lists are kind of cool sometimes especially like if they're like have they they have a take mm-hmm. like like the underappreciated ones mm-hmm. like that I think that's like a blood and black lace like, I, like I don't need to like know about yeah. Friday I don't need to know about Friday the 13th mm-hmm. like I know that fucking yeah. movie like I've watched that fucking movie I don't no one needs to know about that movie yeah, when people are, yeah. are discussing Jello online, it's always like, well, this one's good, but it, there's also some bad stuff in it. But then you need to, like, go to that one, and it's like, it's not very good, but it's still good. And it's like, what? Really... And this cut, the yeah. Italian cut, yeah. no, the United States cut, oh, there was this restoration, like... It's like 84 yeah. minutes, but it's a little long. It's like, what? what? I can't... <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, yeah, it's funny. This is, like, kind of like a segue. I think I actually did, like... Jeff Nichols is like around is like someone I heard of like around the time that like we, it, I was watching like Ebert shows. I mean, I think the first time I heard of him, I don't know if I knew his name, but like I saw the trailer for Take Shelter when I went to see Midnight in Paris with my parents, and uh, you know that's that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I saw that that trailer scared me actually. I was that was around the time that I was too scared to watch uh, horror movies, and like that movie is like kind of a horror movie, and it's um I, right. like the jingly score that plays in the trailer really kind of unnerved me. But um, I think Ebert loved that one. I, think I remember Take Shelter is one that, that um, that I think it was Searchlight that had it. I want to say, but it, I think Sony Pictures Classics. Sony Pictures, I because I, I just watched yeah. it a couple of nights ago. Sony Pictures Classics. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Um, it was just tough for them to market, and I, I remember that being like, okay, we just don't know what to do with this thing. It's so idiosyncratic. Um, but no, that's a very good segue. Like, how did you first come around to Mud and Jeff Nichols and as as a I mean, person? Yeah, Eber presents at the movies. I think after the show had ended, they were still doing. Um, online segments and they had one where Chaz Ebert was like reporting on stuff from Cannes and they had a clip of like the scene from Mud I think they had was yeah that the would, where, that would actually uh, make sense that Chaz I, was at Cannes because since like I, I bet Roger was pretty ill at that point yes I mean he was still reviewing movies in like May 2012 but yeah. like it'd be like it was not far off yeah. um and then um I think the clip from Mud that they showed from the festival was um the scene where uh Jacob Laughlin and Ty Sheridan are on the boat and they find the bread and they're like someone's living here on our boat and then like they go and find them on the beach and then like they turn and like reveal that like Mud is standing there at the end of the the shore um and I just I think I was probably struck by that movie because it was um by like the, the concept of this movie because I think I was like I was like around the same same age as those characters and I was into movies where like you know it was about people close to my age you know I think that's just like a natural thing yeah. like you're interested in people who are similar to you or similarly aged and um you know, it got really good reviews, and they showed like a clip of like I think the, the Sheridan was at like the premiere, and like he was just like overwhelmed by the applause that the movie was getting. Um, yeah, and it must. So that was like kind of like oh, I got to keep my eye out for this movie, and then made my made it my business to like go out and, and see it when it came out like a year later in mm-hmm. May 2013. Yeah. I saw it with my mom, and uh, I saw it at a theater that no longer no longer exists, which is funny to think about now. But um, R.I.P. Yeah. And it's funny yeah. to think like Ty Sheridan uh, was overwhelmed by by this reception given like the year right. before he was there for tree of life and it's like wow the whiplash of, yeah. being, of just like that attention it's kind of you know, but yeah i was thinking about how like both he and jessica chastain have worked with jeff nichols and terrence malick that's really kind of interesting <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah um and Chast- I'm not, and i always Ch- think of yeah, him just, like just chastain was like there for take shelter like the year before too so it's like they it is like yeah, very similar. Her twenty eleven is wild. Yeah. She's I mean, we were talking recently about like actors who have like crazy years and McConaughey is the one where like his twenty twelve is crazy, but Jessica Chastain has like um, one where she's in like five the movies hell, that come out that Take year. Shelter. It's, um Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. 
Tree of Life. And then, like, the other ones were The Debt, which is, like, a Nazi hunting thriller, and then Texas Killing Fields, which is, like, a murder mystery with, like, Sam Worthington and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Wow. Uh, It's... Fascinating. Very yeah, that's... Those two movies like maybe don't exist as much, but like the other right, ones are right, right, major right. in their It's own always way. funny when that happens though, because you're like, okay, three like career defining <laughs> movies or somewhat, right, right. and then you have like two like this was a paycheck and nothing more. And yeah, no once you got nominated movie. for an Oscar, yeah, like we were talking about one, like two art for best picture, you know, it's so wild. Right, right, yeah, right, right. I, I mean, yeah, like in that vein, Clay, with like the movies that don't exist, like we were talking about Oscar Isaac's like 2018, no, I think, 20, and it was like, oh yeah, yeah. Annihilation and, and Spider Verse, and then it was like Life Itself <laughs> at Eternity's Gate. Eternity's Gate was the one we were like. We do not remember yeah, this movie. Yeah. It's like it was. I, very did we do one I did, with uh, Christian that Bale that doesn't exist? Right. Yeah. What was that, Clay? Was this he do- doesn't didn't he do one with Christian Bale that doesn't exist? Like the promise. The promise. The promise. I saw that at yeah. TIFF. Promise. That's in that that played at TIFF twenty sixteen and then I think came out spring twenty seventeen. Yeah, that it, sounds that, right. But that is a movie that like did not make a splash. And I, I think I think that this poster is truly no, it's pretty horrendous. Yeah, um, I think. Oh my god! If I remember correctly, Operation Finale was twenty seventeen too, and I thought it was twenty eighteen. It's twenty eighteen. I mean, that movie like is oh, okay. weird though. Like yeah. some territories release it in theaters and then others release it just on Netflix. Oh, and god. yeah, I never saw that one. I heard it was. Fun. <laughs> um. But at, yeah, as for myself with, with Mud, like, actually, someone that you mentioned that was co-hosting a Roper and Hubert, Chrissy Lumiere, I heard about this from her show called What the Flick, and it was her and Alonzo Duralde that that reviewed it that week, and they were just like, it's great, everybody go see it, um, and that's when I learned about the name Jeff Nichols, um, and they name dropped Take, no- Take Shelter and Shotgun Stories, and... Um, I think I had a similar experience with Ex Machina that I just bought them off the whim of uh, Duralde and Lemire that I trusted them so much and I was so used to catching up with everyone that I would usually watch on YouTube and I found that YouTube critics were so much more acceptable, accessible than reading critics at the time. Um, and, I, I saw, and I was just like, you know, this, this is great. Um, I, I think I'd, I, I think around the same time I might have saw Tree of Life. Um, I think so. I think I recognized um, Ty Sheridan from that. This is like one of the first times I ever saw McConaughey, um, and I I think I had seen McConaughey in Interstellar um, the year like around the same time too. Um, but no, I just like fell in love with it. Then it was just like um, it was one of the first times I saw Reese in a movie too. It was one of the first times I saw um, Sarah Paulson in a movie. Yeah. It, um, but yeah, it's it's it was just one of those things that I just trust those critics so so much with um with their word um and especially like it, like look watching that review again it's like well, it's funny like Alonso Duralde um has this nitpick about it it changing tone towards the end when um when everybody come goes after mud in that shootout and it's like I don't really think the tone changes all that much like I think I think it's like pretty well built to uh to that climax but yeah, yeah, and it's, I mean, we'll talk about it, but, like, it's also totally in line with, like, some of his other movies. Like, how, what's, like, at the root of, like, that action, like, the violence that happens in the movie. It's, like, totally, there's history behind that that, like, totally works, like, narratively, I think. And the um, ending of Take Shelter, it's, like, too, is similar. Like, like everything's sort of... Yeah, and, like, yeah, and just even, like, the rival, how, like, it's, like, a rivalry with, like, a family that's, like, goes back, like, years, and, like, there's also, like, even kind of, like, a class divide between them. That's, like, very reminiscent of Shotgun Stories. Yeah. But I, I'm saying this having just watched Shotgun Stories this past weekend. It's, like, catch up for this. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. And, like, the whole 
idea. It, it, I mean, the ending of the mo- of Mud weirdly plays like the sad inverse of the Shotgun Stories ending, where like the brother in Shotgun Stories like says like, okay, you know what? nothing good is going to come of me taking revenge or anything. I'm going to just enjoy the family dies they'll have. Whereas Mud ends with, like, the dad, like, can't let go of his revenge, and then instead of losing just one son, he loses all his sons and is left alone. Yeah, and it's yeah. just, like, showing, like, it's pretty how, how far yeah. he took this wasn't worth it. It's so sad. Yeah. But, like... I, yeah. I actually am the complete opposite of you, that I haven't seen Shotgun Stories in years. And I actually sought it out. It was one of the first times that I did this, honestly. Like, I sought it out because I loved Mud so much. And it was... Yeah. Um, I think it was on Amazon Prime, and it was, it was one of the, it was the first time I saw Michael Shannon in anything. Um, it was one of, and it was around that time, and we'll, we can get into this later. It was one of the first times that the public had seen Michael Shannon because it was um, Revolutionary Road that he broke out, like really broke out in those few scenes that he's in, and this was one of the first starring roles. Um, it, may, it may even be the same. I think it was two thousand eight. Or maybe 2007. Like, him and Jeff Nichols are best friends. It hits festivals in 07, yeah. and then, like, yep. comes out in theaters 08. Like, yeah. him and Nichols are very close. He's, he's been in all of his movies. Um, and no, he's just, like, he's so restrained in shotgun stories. I think that whole movie is just so toned down. And I don't I didn't know if I connected with it because it was... Um, it, there was nothing to just pump itself up. It was, it was all just, yeah, like like you say, just, like, familial division and... but. I was. I think it was just like unprepared for for the low key high stakes that it, that it had going for it. Yeah, and it's funny you talk about that. That is like a. I think that is a big turning point in Shannon's career. Him working with Jeff Nichols, who gives him lead roles. But like, it is funny how you watch if you watch movies from like the late '90s or early 2000s. Shannon will just be there. <laughs> I mean, like he'll be example, a cop in right. Vanilla Sky uh, or driving a van yeah, yeah. in Chain Reaction. Yeah, yeah it's. Yeah. I mean, he's. I I, I love that guy. Yeah, he's yeah, he's the, the best. best. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah, Van- Vanilla Sky. That's right. Um, is he is he at the party in the very beginning? No, he's the cop in like the the prison where like uh, Cruz is being kept. He's like being very antagonistic towards him. I think he's the one who like chases him during like the good vibrations right, scene. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a weird one. It's interesting, like how everyone agrees, like yes, Michael Shannon rules, but it really feels like he hasn't had like the like it feels like his best role is still ahead of mm. him. It doesn't, yeah, he'll it win really an Oscar someday. Like he'll yet. win a supporting Oscar, you know? It's like... Well, I mean, but will it be, like, for a good movie? Like, are we hoping? Yeah. I know, seriously. I mean, I think I'm meaning, like, a career-defining, this is a Michael Shannon performance. You know what I mean? Like, this is it. This is the peak. This is the penultimate. This is, like, the... This is the culmination. Not right. the full... Yeah. Yes, culmination. Yeah, it's like this is the culmination of his career. And I'm not saying he has to win an Oscar for that to be for it to be defined as that. I'm just saying like it does feel like he's he's waiting. Like uh, we're still all waiting for that one Michael Shannon performance that like legitimately everyone just sits down and says. Well, and if Nichols directs that performance, I would I would adore it. Yeah, I would expect yeah. that. I mean, I wouldn't expect that. I wouldn't be surprised by yeah. that. At least yeah. at least I, is... he'd he'd be nominated for performance. Nichols directs at the very least. Yeah, I was looking into like what Nichols. It's because it's he hasn't made a movie since Midnight Special, yeah. which is. Uh, I mean, technically, since before Loving, this weekend, right? Didn't Loving come out after? Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of my, that's the only one I haven't seen. Oh, now. it's great. That's like oh, the last. I unfortunately didn't so squeeze that in. Yeah. Um. But do you know? Like, I was looking into like what he was thinking of making next. He's going to direct the next Quiet Place yeah. movie. Uh, the spinoff. Krasinski right? specifically reached out. Yeah. Hmm? I, I, I think it's a spinoff. 
Yeah, is it a spinoff? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. He's directing something in that series though, which right that could be interesting. I'm a little depressed that he's like now gone the franchise. He's going like sort of and not quite franchise, but like not in a. I mean, it is pretty sad. I mean, Uh, especially because he hasn't. If we look at the gap between Shotgun Stories and Mud, like it got him a pretty. It was a pretty long time to get this thing like distributed in finance. Thank God he's also doing something with Adam Driver starring in it. That's coming out. That's being made at the same time as the Quiet Story spinoff. I forget what it's called, but it's He's, starring oh, Adam Driver. Wait, well, I was looking at something. It was something about like having to do a Che Guevara. Is that what? Oh, Driver I think so. Yes, them? that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Okay, yeah. I also found out he did. He he's been doing a podcast too, Jeff Nichols. It was oh, called. Interesting. Oh. I have it. In, I love. I, I've called, always. Oh, no, like, it says. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. <laughs> this yes, is wait, we're, this is like a Robert Altman movie. We're all going at the same time. Um, no, I mean like. I, I've always loved watching Jeff Nicholson interviews. He's so like well spoken and composed. Like it just, um, it, yeah, he's a he's a great like. Uh, he has just like great con- conviction. I think that he's like. I bet he's a great yeah, director. I, like, he comes on like, a great coach, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I was reading a couple of interviews with him, uh, just like just get like a little bit of a, a bio on him. It's it's very interesting, just sort of reading about. Um, how like he got like money to make to process the film for Shotgun Stories uh, because he worked in an Ashley Judd movie as an actor and he like says like oh, it was like a terrible performance I gave but it gave me money to process the film so that's good. What, was it something very, <laughs> yeah, really it's... forgotten? You know, like what, was it something not like Double Jeopardy where it's like oh wow everybody remembers it's... me in that one? <laughs> yeah, I've literally never heard of it. It's something called Come Early Morning. Uh, never seen it. Maybe I'll watch list it. Maybe yes, it's good, yeah. but like I don't know. I, I just think that's very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I've never heard that okay, before. I've never so heard anything I'm looking this, about that. So I looked at Nicholas's INDB, and it does say A Quiet Place 3. And I'm like, okay. oh, are oh, we just stupid? Oh, okay. But then I look up, and it's like, no, it was, like, it was reported as a spinoff. But, you know, and so IMDB maybe is not to be trusted. Um, a wondering about a third film. I guess no one, it, no one really knows if it's exactly going to be the sequel or not. But Krasinski confirmed it's connected, at least, and that Nichols is doing it, and, like, the script... Yeah, it's referring to above... Okay, yes. Very well means that script is referring to above is for the Nichols spinoff film as opposed to the direct sequel to the previous Yeah. Because the thing, if you watch A Quiet Place 2, is that it it leaves off on a cliffhanger. uh, And so it would be weird if, like, Nichols was to be the third person. Yeah. Or, like, Hmm. not the third person, but make the third movie. Interesting. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it looks like he's, yeah, it's like Jack said, he's doing the Che Guerrera film, but also Quiet Place. And the thing with Quiet Place is where I'm not, like, super depressed by it, is one of those things, like, it's not Marvel or Star yeah. Wars, like, he didn't, like, go, like, full in, like, studio system. I, I doubt, like, I'm not saying that A Quiet Place is, like, oh, is, like, an indie or whatever, <laughs> but it's not, like, it's it, it, it's not gonna have a budget where, like... There's not a sky beam like, that you choose from the sky. Right, yeah, any yeah, yeah. control. <laughs> right like yeah, it's not like where everyone has to be on set for that movie to like progress yeah and also i literally just thought of this now it's also perfect that franchise is weirdly like perfect for all right. his pet interests all his movies are about the, the, the ones that i've seen like everything from like shotgun stories to midnight special is about like the anxiety of not being able to take care of your family mm. or like how your actions will affect like future generations and i mean that's what quiet place is basically i mean i've only seen the first quiet place movie i didn't see the sequel yet but, it's um, fine. Sequel's okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, got, you have Killian Murphy, you know? What, like, Always it's going to be good. No, but I'm with, yeah. I'm with Brad, and I, I, I plan to see the sequel, too. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's fine. It, it's good. Or whatever. It's it's one of those movies where, like, if you don't see it in the theater, 
Like, it's just one of those movies that I, like, I, I, I which I respect Krasinski, 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 I can't speak. Krasinski, whatever. John. John K. J.K. My man. Jim um, from The Office. The thing I do respect him for that I think other critics don't is, like, and maybe this is a hot take, but I think he does really know how to make a movie for the theaters. I think the first, the, like, The Quiet Place 1 and 2 are really just, like, super in, like, in tune with, like, the rhythms of a movie theater of like the tension that you feel like if it's a good if it's a good theater if it's not like one of those theaters where or, or when i mean theaters i mean like you have a good crowd yeah. watching it with you it's not one of those people good sound are system yeah. or talking or whatever like he like he he assumes the best of a of his audience in the sense of that you're not you're going to shut the fuck up and let people watch this mm-hmm. um but like i think he really understands how to like it, it, it's one of those things where that's the definition of a roller coaster film for me. Like that move, like that, a movie like that, or As Above, So Below, the found footage movie we covered a few, um, a, like a, a feels like months ago. Like Dude, that was a year ago. So pure, <laughs> right? It, 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 it's so purely about like the experience of like watching it, and rather than necessarily like the thematic connect. Like it's not a deep movie. It's, it's pretty surface level, and like it's not totally emotional. I think. Murphy does what he can, um, and Blunt is pretty good in it too, and the kids are fine. But um, I really, it, I truly think those movies are really crafted for the theater, and I, I appreciate Krasinski for that because that's more than I can say for a lot of other blockbusters. Mm, who just right. just feels like I could have just watched this at home and be fine. Mm. Like this would be okay. Like I didn't need to kill. Like even if it's like the biggest budget imaginable, like this this theater experience doesn't really add anything to it because it's just like it, it's like doesn't even look all that cinematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, but no, I'm 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 glad that at least he didn't go like two hundred million dollar budget where it's like he will like where like five suits will have to okay every single shot he composes like it's like at least somewhat reasonable. Yeah, it doesn't wipe away any authorship um, from the product. Yeah, and Mud would perfectly be a, would be a perfect character for that universe. It's like he's been in that universe forever. <laughs> like him just sleeping, right. not sleeping in the same place. Him like having a shirt that some kind of protects yeah. him. All that him protects him is that fuck. pistol and that shirt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Him just being just like a piece, of, looking like a piece of shit, <laughs> but not, like a handsome piece of shit. And he know he's like one with the woods and everything. Like you know, like, right. like he's like just been Thank living you. in the woods since he was a kid, and like. It's like you're often like seeing him through like the trees or branches making right. it look like look like he is just literally a part of the land. People and think that he's one of the monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. He like yeah. He, he like he's a silent person too. Like he'll like leave like he'll just leave and people are like, Where the fuck did he just go? Like he was here just one second ago. Mm-hmm. I like, gotta find my juniper. Like yeah. like, yeah, that's just <laughs> Right, yeah, they're just silent killer type. Um so I saw, I think it's mostly, my story with Mud is mostly in line with Jack in the sense of, I heard people like YouTubers or critics saying, oh man, Mud, it's so good, and like McConaughey, he's great in it, and I've always remembered the poster really well, even though it's like, the poster's pretty like generic, it's just McConaughey, mm-hmm. but the but McConaughey's look feels iconic at this yeah, point. Yeah. Like, like more it's like almost more iconic than any of his other looks maybe besides like dazed and confused because it's so it's so i'll like, also so, say like, dallas and truly... magic mike too i mean like we, like we talked about like that's a pretty yeah but like the magic mike, but the thing is with like so with dallas that's like a that's a total like oh look at me i've made this physical change and magic mike is just kind of him with mud it's that kind of, it's that hybrid it's that middle ground of it's like it is matthew mcconaughey but 
he's truly fucking filthy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a filthy-looking man. There's, mu- like, mu- actual mud and dirt all over him. He probably smells terrible. Wearing, he, yeah, he's wearing a horrible shirt that, I mean, that he looks good in, but that I wouldn't look good in. Um, and he's just, like... And, and, and it's truly one of those things where, like, you feel like sometimes movie stars, like, they refuse to get dirty. Like, legit refuse to have the mm-hmm. aesthetic of being dirty. But he's just like, no, just, like lather me up yeah he was al- it, he was actually know, already living tea. on that island like he like they just found him he there. looks like he smells horrendous and he's like, like chugging the like, the, like and the way he like chugs the canned goods and like the beans exactly. are like drip the juice is like dripping down his mouth and i also love the scene when like ellis ty sheridan comes to see him and he's like he sees like mud doing it and he tries to like do the same kind of chugging but right. it's not quite as smooth as, yeah. as mud does it um <laughs> what's also really funny i didn't know this so this movie Plays a can. 2012 comes out in theaters. Oh, also like, one North sec. America, like like Moondog, I think it'll. I think Please. with time, Moondog is going to be like a pretty. Hopefully like, with yeah, time, but that wasn't that. That's still not of a course. crazy hit. Yeah, yeah. For, he's least, the next it, great it American time. writer. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Moondog is right. Moondog. But what's funny is like this feels like. I mean, it's funny that this comes along the line of like the reconnaissance when like I feel like that starts right. with like Lincoln Lawyer where he is like using yeah. his charm and like a the, much I mean, the double bill of Lincoln Lawyer and Bernie. Sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like at this point, I, I oh, read and a, Killer Joe. That's right. That was 2011 with, too. Yeah, yeah. That plays the festivals in 2011. Comes out in theaters the next yes. next summer. I mean, and what was interesting, I was reading an interview with Nichols where he talks about how casting McConaughey and writing. He wrote the role with him in mind, I think, and like wanted yeah. to cast him. But that's like have to. I mean, he he writes that the same. He said he wrote it like the same summer as Take Shelter, and which is 2011 or 2010, probably when that he's writing that. But like, so that's like before McConaughey's kind of a. Com- coming back i mean at that point like right. Friedman and lawyer his movies are like surfer dude ghost of girlfriend's past Ghost's and like it's like tropics under okay yeah. but um yeah so it's just kind of funny that like you know nichols was just sort of on the pulse before like anyone yeah. else kind of or it sounds or he's making it sound like that that's mm-hmm. that's very cool <laughs> yeah and also maybe like also like if you take it if you look at that like maybe friedkin was too because like it's not like mud came out right like or like lincoln and when was lincoln lincoln was 2011 2011 yeah. And yeah. So it's like it's weird. Like everyone, it's like there was something in the air. Was everyone's like, what if McConaughey in this? What yeah. if we had McConaughey in this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what I, if I should made like made him an actor. I should get my facts straight. Killer Joe, I think, was like the one thing Nichols had seen him in where he was like, I think, like in the interview uh, that he gave, I think it was with Filmmaker Magazine, where he said like he saw McConaughey, like he asked like McConaughey, like, oh, so like what have you been doing? And he said Killer Joe. It's like, oh, that's pretty dark. I mean, that's a uh, pretty intense. And then like McConaughey's like, yeah, pretty dark. And it's just like yeah. <laughs> that's just like such a funny it's, like offhand <laughs> McConaughey thing. Yeah. And it's a filmmaker that pe- I think it's one of those things. I mean, we'll talk about Killer Joe. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Someone yeah, will yeah. pick it. But like, I mean, and we've already talked about an Interstellar, and we've talked about, or I, or Jack and his friends talked about uh, Wolf on Wall Street. So we have discussed the McConaughey. And Magic songs. Mike, too. Um, yeah. And Magic Mike, yeah. So we're wow. It is truly like, even though like I don't know if he has a straight up masterpiece and all. Uh, no, I think Interstellar is pretty great, and I think this movie is pretty good too. But it's like. I don't know. It's one of those things where it feels like even the lesser yeah. ones, though, like like you, like we said, Lincoln. Like I think Lawyer, so, I, I really want someone to pick Bernie. Like I, I think that's great too. Right. Exactly. Think, like yeah. even these movies that aren't necessarily like certified cultural phenomenons mm-hmm. are still like add to his mythos at the time and are still is part of like a really good. And model. again, going back to that, what the flick review? I just love that in the moment we were calling it reconnaissance. Like this was not with right. retrospect. Like it was pretty cool that we, we all, all we all it. recognized it. It was it. Yeah. bizarre. Um, and in the latter half of the decade, he didn't. 
I think there was a lot more respect for him going forward, and he could just do things that kind of don't exist, like kill, Free State, like, of, Free State Jones. of Jones and White Boy Rick. White know? Boy Rick. Just, yeah, yeah. Like, Which I, I was so, I was like the one hyped fan for White Boy Rick because of like the Donna Summer score trailer. Yeah. I was like, this looks awesome. I was, or, I was like, it's fine. It's like, it's like we thought, like, could it be another Oscar play with gold? And like, oh no, gold went nowhere. <laughs> it's so funny that we remember all of these movies that we have not seen. That's how big yeah. McConaughey was. Because everyone was like, all right, what's next? And like, I know, and like, then you would hear the reviews and be like, oh, I guess I'm skipping that one. Oh, I guess I'm skipping that mm-hmm. one. It's like, it's like Free State of Jones, Dark Tower, Gold, Dark Tower. Serenity. Serenity. Oh gosh. Um, but then I remember uh, it was the such gentleman. White Boy Rick. The gentleman, yeah, yeah. And the gentleman. And I yeah. remember it was such a big deal when the news broke that Harmony Corinne was gonna direct McConaughey, and it was like, wow, that's such an interesting pair. In, in twenty nineteen. Yeah. yeah. And then that movie just kind of like it. I guess it's like kind of like already got people who are fans of it, but like the audience is just like we're like no. Yeah. I, I just no I, yeah. yeah. I just no, I just think no, Neon just didn't really not. know what to do with it. Like I, I think Neon was happy to distribute a Harmony Corinne movie, but would any yeah, studio? I was just know gonna say to right. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's like, fuck, Corinne? Again? Really? <laughs> like, at least like, at least you could fool people with Spring Breakers, but apparently everyone was already, like, now kind of like... And I wonder, I haven't seen it, I don't think I've watched any of the trailers in uh, of, uh, of uh, fucking Beach Bum, but I'm curious if they put the director of Spring Breakers they did. to the yeah. audiences were like, fuck off, they, yeah. I'm not doing that again, you can't fool me twice, I expected Selena Gomez being sexy, and I got like a Ex, like an existential film about American culture. Not again. You can't fool me twice. Corinne, Beach Bomb will cover it one day. Cassidy will like, be back. We're, we're, Cassidy will be back. For of, sure. For sure. There's plenty of McConaughey, so we we got um, we got time. Um, but no, I mean like Mud. I mean that poster. Just go back. It's like, oh okay. Like this is like a movie. Like one of those things where it's like it doesn't feel like this like studio approved like mid-budget kind of like this is like prestigious like you know like awards play or whatever mm-hmm. this is like oh it's like him being like his charismatic self but also like being like a piece of shit mm-hmm. and it's like and it's like fine yeah and, um, I, and I know in an interview Chris Pine was was also in talks but this was always written for McConaughey if if he couldn't have McConaughey then Chris Pine was the, was the ultimate is Pine as can Pine be as mysterious as McConaughey though? That's the thing. I like that McConaughey is casting it because I think him being older but still being kind of childish is like the thing that makes that like Pine almost seems like maybe he'd be too young uh, to right. to make that role right. work. But like you I don't think like... he's lived a life. You don't think he's been like oh, in twenty eleven. Like he's still trying to stop that train and unstoppable. I mean, he's like a year yeah, later. I mean, yeah. he has to stop. Uh, he has it. to stop. It's yeah. Um, no, I agree totally. Like that, like McConaughey is really the child when um, Ellis and Ekman are, are talking to him. Like, like they're the grown-ups in that situation, that dynamic, and that's why Reese's casting works so well too. Is like they are not only looking up to adults, but they're looking up to movie stars. Literally, that is what Nichols says in the in, in this interview with Filmmaker Magazine. Oh, wow. He says like Mud, Mud and Juniper. This is the quote: Mud and Juniper, the characters that live in these boys' minds, like movie stars. Yeah. Like that is just like. I, they're perfect. watching a rom- they're watching the notebook but in real life it's one of those things where like i mean that's like the whole thing with ty sheridan is like but you guys love each other this is a rom this is a ro- like a, this is a yeah, romance yeah. movie you guys are supposed to love each other and get together this romance movie is, but is, work. it has to have a happy ending um and, and right I think, right. He's, right this doesn't make sense this is the notebook like come on nichols has yeah, another interview that's where so he's interesting. like um i i i think oh wait what was, what was the quote where he's like oh yeah um Nick Moan and ellis are surrounded by adults 
who are trying to figure out what love means to them. But then Ellis just walks right. away with like no conclusion about what, loves, what love right. means. And I guess it's, it's like, just like fuck. whatever your situation is. I guess that's what the movie right. concludes. <laughs> and all these situations around yeah. the two boys are pretty shitty. Yeah, and I was really affected by... This is something I don't know if I'd even picked up on it at like the time that I saw it. But I think it's, it's really interesting watching just trying to find like the through lines between some of Nichols movies that I've seen. Uh, there is like kind of a similar like parallel between like uh, the Michael Shannon's character and take shelter and Ty Sheridan and mud and how like they both have their own anxieties about like the problems in their life. And they invest all their energy in this one project that they think will make things better, or at least like find a way to, to make themselves feel better. Like in take shelter, Michael Shannon wants to build a storm shelter because he feels insecure about protecting his family and also about his right. ability to like take care of his family financially and mentally. And he's just like thinking, well, how will I protect my family? I'll build a storm shelter. And in this, you know, Alice is like, you know, thinking like, well, my parents are divorcing. I'm about to lose the home I've lived in all my life. And like, it cuts from like him, like after like his parents have like told him that they're being divorced. He looks out, he looks at the bag of supplies he has for mud and he looks out at the, at the island and like the next cut is like him just riding to the island. It's like he's investing right. all his energy in right. saying, I will make this couple work so that I can have something to hold on to in my life. And that's why when things don't work out in the end, he's just like snapped so hard. At, There's uh, a storm. Like, where, like, everything is wrong. Yeah, like in Take Shelter. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. yeah. I want to, like, I, it's like Sheridan's just like, I just want to believe in love again. Like, like I now like the, because the thing is when you... I mean, I, I, I can't, you know, it, 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 we all have different, like, home lives or whatever, but a lot of kids, you know, when they grow up, they see their mom and their dad and, like, okay, so I'm here, they're there, they're, like, in charge of me, and they're together, so they must love each other, because that's how love works, and since they love each other, that means nothing will ever separate them, because love is, like, the most powerful thing in the world, and, like, and so you grow up with that for a little while until you learn nuances, of course, but... You're, but like and like, um, uh, Ellis is at that age where he's like he kind of no he knows he's kind of figuring out a little more about like there are some nuances to love but he still has that I that that like the idea of how powerful it is still in him and like how like almost unbreakable it has to be and then he sees like the most like dom not the most dominant but like the most stable thing he can think of in his entire existence of life is his mom and his dad and they're splitting up it's like oh, I don't know what love, like, what the fuck, like, love's not supposed to do, like, don't, you, so you guys must not love each other, because that's how love works, love means you guys are, you know, like, unconditional, you cannot be separated, like, it is, like, the most bonding force in all of human history, and he just, like, freaks the fuck out, and he's like, I need to, so I need to believe in love again, because if I don't, like, all of my world will be crap, like, uh, crushed. Yeah. And, like, the, the, when he says, like, the things to Mud, I mean, Sheridan, I think, really sells the line reads where it's, like, he's half, like, in, like making it sound like a declaration, but also making it sound like a question when he says, like, you did it for her, you did it because you right. love her. It's like he's, like, it's, like, this sort of rule, like, if I say it enough times, it will become right. true. Yeah, it's, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, it's, like, a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's, like, well, you loved her, right? It's, like, not, no one's gonna be, like, yeah, no, I didn't love her. What are you talking about? It's, like, it, you know, like he's almost, like, He's trying to like lay it out all in front of him without even like without even really being super like you said it's a declaration rather than a question it's like you know you know it's one of those things where it's like he already has a narrative in his head he's already have he already has the notebook written in his head and he wants to see it play out yeah 
Yeah, and if you can fix one relationship. I don't know why I'm just doing the maybe. notebook, but that's like the romantic movie that comes to mind. <laughs> have you guys ever seen Notebook? I've well, I mean, yeah, two like... people who have like loved each other all their lives, you know, and like right, being right, right, separated. Right. Yeah. Right. I haven't seen it, actually. I would I love to. Yeah, um, it's okay. How was how Nick Cassavetes? As a, I mean, can't even live up to his dad. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, yeah, it's, it's more um, Juniper and Mud. I think they always have redemption in Alice's eyes and it's like if I can fix right. one relationship, then maybe my right. parents can work something out. Like there's possibility. Super yeah. binary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, it's yeah, a really no good things of yes or no. Mm-hmm. Like yes, it can be worked. No, it can like you know it's like you know, yeah. I also yeah. think Nichols. It's a really is, good movie. Nichols is just like really good at um, emphasizing how important this moment in, in his characters' lives are. Um, it's always like this is the the moments in their lives that that define them later on like if it's uh, the lovings and loving or like what the events that we see in Midnight Special like it's all just everything is but it's not played like melodramatic it's it's all just right. so important and nothing nothing softens the importance I think even, even something as low stakes as this compared to the other cat like the other things in his catalog yeah and yeah, it's it's. I also just um. I think I'm affected by like movies too, about like realizing that adults are imperfect and like capable right. of like, a, you know, be be doing wrong things. I think like the the first sort of sign that like you know, mud is like not so mature is like I, I love the scene when Sam Shepard's character Tom like goes to see him at the island and he starts like chewing him out and then at the moment he starts yelling it cuts to like a wide shot of like the boys. POV is like they're seeing them, you know, talking and Neckbone, who is like one of the best characters in the movie, like just the lion's share of all the player signs, just like, man, he's really giving it to him. And it's just like it's like a showing like and Mud is like still kind of like stuck in the childhood almost, like the way he's like sort of like standing nervously and like saying, Sir, you know, like as if like still right. talking to him like he is like that child and everything. Yeah. And he's sitting down while Tom is standing up, so he's like there's odd like, there's like, this yeah. like notable height difference yeah. that like he's just towering over him, like saying you're fucking like what are you doing this is wrong and like a real like talking to and even like where the mm-hmm. boat is positioned into the trees it's like a um not like a treehouse yeah oh yeah that adds to the child like yeah like that's the thing with mcconaughey it's one of those guys like he's just he's one of those people who you can't like say oh man that guy's so mature <laughs> or whatever like that's not a word that comes to mind when you think of mcconaughey or like he's so wise mm-hmm. i mean I guess he kind of tries to do that. Like he's, I mean, I don't think any is, of like, us would take advice from Woodarton from Basement Views. Yeah. Right, right, but but like his whole shtick now is saying like existential things ever since that fucking time is a flat circle or whatever that he said in like in True Detective. I feel like that's followed him everywhere now. He's the stoner guy who says existential things in car commercials or whatever movie he's in, um, and like there's like you know I was so when Norma so this is. Um, this is kind of off-topic, but related. So, of course, Norm MacDonald died recently, as when we were recording this. And so I went mm-hmm. back and watched all of the Celebrity Jeopardy, epi- um, Celebrity Jeopardy episode, SNL sketch he was in. And the 40th anniversary of SNL, um, so there's a whole bunch of, like, you know, um, of course, Sean, uh, Daryl Hammond, uh, or I think it's Hammond, right? Uh, mm-hmm. um, Sean Connery, and, like, um, uh, then there are, like, some new cast members, like, Tar- uh Taron Killian as like Christoph Waltz and all that, and then you have Norm Macdonald and um, uh, Norm Macdonald as Burt Reynolds, and then like Jim Carrey. I think he hosts that episode, maybe. 
Um, he he is Matthew McConaughey, and like I think he's I think Carrie's played McConaughey before too. Like I feel like that's a character he has now. He did the Lincoln. He made fun of the Lincoln ads where he's like saying, "Who are these ch- children in my car? Where oh, yeah. did they come from?" Right. And I think that was like, right. Like, it's yeah. literally like kids in the backseat of his car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I just remembered like, oh yeah, that's who he is now. Like after Mc- like the thing the direct thing after the McConaughey's, instead of him just being like a great actor, he's the he's the Lincoln guy. That's it. Like, there's a time like, bef- like right. before Dark Tower, and but like after like Dallas Buyers Club mm-hmm. is like, the, or, is that like, that's when he emerged. Because Dallas as, Buyers like, Club was winning the Oscar. That was I don't, but it's like that wasn't the culmination yet. I think the culmination was working with Christopher Nolan. Like, and then twenty, I think post twenty fourteen, I think that was probably. Oh, like, was Dallas Buyers Club thirteen? Twenty, not yeah, 14? yeah, 20, yeah. It's yeah. fall twenty thirteen. Okay. 12, 2013. Yeah, and so Wolf of Wall Street's also that same season yeah. too. Yeah, right. Yeah. So after Interstellar, mm-hmm. um, and Drew Detective is twenty fourteen, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. So okay, so at, so at, like so twenty fifteen to like maybe now he is now only known as the car commercial guy. I, I don't think he's fallen. I mean, he's he's the Lincoln advertiser. But I don't know. I don't know if I'd say he's a full-on caricature. It, it still is like. I, but what? Like how? Are, do, how we do? How do we perceive him now as a culture? What do we perceive uh, him as? Well, not like a not a pre, pre, pretentious or not pretentious like prestige actor anymore. Not an action star. Not a like a headlining movie star. I mean, the reconnaissance. I think and people have talked about how it's kind of over. I mean, what's like probably like the last time that like that's sort of happening is Interstellar kind of the tail end of that because I feel like uh-huh. then like in, in like twenty sixteen you got like Sea of Trees, Free State of Jones, Sing is like a big saying, a big. These aren't real movies that you're saying. That's the yeah thing. no. Like, it is kind of movies that I don't think is bad in some of the movies I've seen. Like I no I work. don't that, that no, movie don't might not exist, but like I think he's actually pretty good in that movie. It's funny. Um, like I but it's I, I you, yeah. we're seeing all these things and I. I understand why he took the, the projects he took after Interstellar. Like, I, I believe, if I'm wrong, correct me, but is Sea of Trees 2015? Yes. Yeah, because I think, like, working with Gus Van Sant and, like, Naomi Watts and Ken Watanabe, like, that's, like, a pretty stuck cast. And, like, if you look at that script, like, it works on paper, you know? And, um, like, like, I want to be in the next Stephen King adaptation uh, in 20. 20- 16 with Idris Elba like, like I can see these things like would seem appealing you know at the very very least like after winning Oscar yes L- on paper this, the directors l- are interesting but yes it's listen to spotty. this run listen to this run after Interstellar so you got the Sea of Trees Free State of Jones Cuba mm. and the Two Strings and that's actually good and like people actually respect that movie but he's not respected in it because he's he's not probably casted correctly um you know uh Sing, uh, which is a movie that exists that apparently has made money and there's a it's for kids. Coming. It's getting, yeah, cool. Uh, Gold, The Dark Tower, White Boy Rick, Serenity, The Beach Bum, Between the Two Ferns of the Movie, <laughs> The Gentleman, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Table Read. Yeah, that was the thing. And Hank, Hank yeah. and Hank the Cow Dog. That's the oh, that's the podcast that Jeff Nichols does, which uh-huh. is like an all star podcast. Like I think, here I'll read. I, I've never listened to an episode of this. I should maybe because uh, this does not look real. It's but it's got like so many people. I mean, Shannon of course is in it, uh, Michael Shannon. But you've also got um, Jesse Plemons, Cynthia Erivo, Kristen Dunst, uh, Leslie Jordan, Joel Edgerton, Scoot McNary. Uh, what the fuck is this? Is Shea Wiggum in it? Shea Wiggum's in looks, Take Shelter. <laughs> 
oh my gosh, if only uh, he was in this. Oh yeah, and McConaughey plays the titular role. He's Hank the Cowdog. Oh, wow. It's yeah, wow. Is I, this I, like I, a I, children's thing? I don't know. It's but I only found out about it recently when I was like looking up what Nichols had done, and like I guess this was like something he was just preoccupying himself with. Um, it's only like five episodes, and they're all like under half an hour, so it's wow. an quick listen I I'm guess. Ab- I'm absolutely checking this but, out. But like all of these movies I list like, I listed just don't exist. Even the one that has a sequel with it doesn't exist. They leave no cultural footprint. You can't re- you can't none of his performances stand out maybe besides the peach the beach bum. But even then he's still kind of playing a caricature caricature of himself as like he's playing up the stoner like exist like existential like like you don't think he's like that intelligent but you don't think he's dumb either mm-hmm. um, I do think that it's it's bold and impressive just he lets Harmony just play with him he's just like malleable to, to the Moondog character and, and you just yeah. you just let but him but then no one likes for that a while you, you like haven't seen him comes lose out and you audiences yeah. Yeah. vomit mm-hmm. and they're like no never again I will never take this HK you fucking asshole um, but like so I it, I don't know maybe I'm being harsh or whatever but I, I truly just think that like now he's just like hangs out and like talks about politics once in a while and you're like is he like right wing is he like a centrist or like whatever like it's 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 all of this bizarre like no one really knows what to feel about him anymore because he's just like not he's just like disappeared and even though he's in stuff that's the crazy thing. Yeah I don't know I mean like but some of the stuff that he's in like does like leave a cultural footprint I mean like the stuff like. There's, like, that meme, like, from True Detective when he's, like, smoking, like, a cigarette and, like, the people have, like, added in, like, whatever tweet he's looking at or whatever. Or, like, all the Russ Cole memes of him just, like, you know, like... But that's caricature. But that's still, like, oh, look at McConaughey, such a caricature. I guess, but I just, like, I wonder if, like, you know, cultural footprint, it's, like, people are still talking about it, I guess. But, no, like, some of the other movies, even, like, though I think he's, like, good in some of them, like, uh, it's... They're not movies that are, like, you know, really stirring the cultural conversation of, like, some of these other performances were. Um, and not, and like, no one making can tell fun. me, like, his performances in those movies. No one can be like, oh, this is the movie when he does this. Mm-hmm. It's all, like, him. It's all McConaughey. Yeah, and I mean, like, even even if, like, the cultural footprint is small, um, it's it's at least there, and it's not even about McConaughey. Like, uh, for example, like, Freddie State of Jones is, like, the reputation of, of that one is that he looks exactly like the person he's playing, like, no differences at all. And, and, like that just but like if oh, I really? ran to, but if I walked up to a person on the street and asked them what the Free State of Jones is right of course no 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 clue and that movie didn't like that didn't that movie didn't cost five bucks that movie cost something like that was like a I think it was like early film. summer yes yeah right exactly and even some of the big movies like Dark Tower that's like one that like from my understanding was like in development hell film. forever and yeah right. does doesn't hit um yeah and the, and it was like and he's they, know, like the big and in the big like. Cell was Elba and McConaughey kind of like switched roles. Like McConaughey is the the villain and Elba is the hero. Like you think they're to be flopped, just the person. Right, yeah. yeah. But no, regardless, I still like him as an actor. But yeah, like, I still like him. I do too. Yeah. None of this is critical towards him. Sure. I'm just thinking. I, I I just think it is kind of crazy, like how big of a drop off it is because it's like, oh, he is the movie star. If you're thinking of ca- making a movie that has a movie star. McConaughey is like top three at a time, and now I think it kind of reminds me of what we talked about Michael Fassbender in our Frank episode, where it's like we kind of want to root for this actor that we know is so great, but just the run of auteurs that they would work with in the early half of the decade never really lent itself to the latter half, and 
it's just like, wow, what happened? McConaughey never hits the l- absolute... L- like, he, McConaughey doesn't have a snowman, but, like... or <laughs> I mean, kind or of serenity. Is his serenity Dark. his snowman? I didn't I mean, see that movie, but that reputation is, like, pretty, like, kind of notorious yeah. in that regard. Yeah. But, like, people have, like, fun with it. Like, no one has fun with the snowman. Um... And it's also, and also, but he doesn't also make, but he doesn't make it X-Men Dark Phoenix, where it's just like, I guess, I guess you could say Dark Tower. You know what? Maybe I've kind of convinced <laughs> myself. Never mind. I think they're pretty similar. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you want to talk about actors that I, cause I really want to talk about this. Um, actors who like kind of have not really happened post this are, uh, what do you guys think of Ty Sheridan? Cause I, I like, I mean, his, I wanted to I, talk I, about that as well. Yeah. Cause I, when I saw this movie, I loved this performance i still do but like it is like it, it, like too. if you had asked if you had asked me before rewatching this movie i would have said like this is one of the greatest child performances ever i no longer think that it's a very good performance though but it's i think one top just 50. like a brief little yeah brief, brief like uh side tangent i think like i didn't identify with this performance a lot because i felt like i was around the same right. age as this character in the movie right. and experiencing my own kind of heartbreak and also sort of like the same sort of ineptitude as him where it's like well if i love someone or like someone that's like enough right, right. like that's all it is right, right? and then like right. finally like oh it's like that's very one-sided and everything and right sort of like gr- growing up in it yeah um it's a very good performance but post this his career is very yeah. spotty i think like trying to like people tried to make him it was interesting watching it like um what i think makes this performance so interesting is how it's like so internalized like this kid just like kind of like is always trying to act like everything's just like kind of casual and brushed off like whether it's like he's arguing with his parents or like when he's like facing a crush and he's just yeah. sort of like i'm like yeah i know who you are like you know like, <laughs> look, not breaking eye contact but also like sort of raising his shoulders trying but then, like, to do what's made like, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah just like but like he's just like there's like always like this kind of just like attentiveness and this quiet attentiveness where he's like always observing these things and just sort of like bottling it all up and yeah i think in this and in tree of life he's always been really good at listening yes and um what's what's so affecting is like uh when like he like does like experience a heartbreak it's like almost like he kind of at first he doesn't like let it sort of happen like he just sort of like lets his whole body go limp like that scene when he goes to the bar to pick up reese witherspoon and he sees her with like talking with some other guy and like the bouncer like pushes past him and he just sort of like goes like a rag doll as he's carried out right. like he's just sort of lost all the energy mm. and then like he has the big scene where he snaps and his voice is cracking he's like not able to like look at anyone and it's really sad but like when watching that performance and like the sort of the energy it reminded me of um how like jennifer lawrence like her big breakout role was winter's bone mm-hmm. and what's really interesting about that performance is like how like that is also like a character who is like just like internalizing everything and have to sort of be wise beyond their years and like it's a really good performance, and I'm not saying like lead. It's such a great sense of like, place too. Sort of, you know, it's like yeah. And, and but, but like where I'm going with this is like the, the, I, I'm not saying lead performances can't have that same kind of reserved energy, and you know, like they, 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 those kind of performances can still be compelling in a lead role. But I think like what's happened with like Sheridan and Lawrence similarly, not to like make too much of a comparison between their careers, although they both were in X Men movies. Um, <laughs> right. Is is, is same that, ones like, too, or similar? Yes. Yeah, 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 no, and, but, like, you cast Sheridan in something like Ready Player One, where he has to, like, deliver all this breathless exposition, and sounds so so enthusiastic talking about, like, geek pop culture, it just sounds like the energy is missing, like, it's not quite there. And he might be the least interesting actor in that movie, like, literally, out of all of them. Yeah, 
Like, and, and I, I, all of those performances are more interesting than what he's doing. I saw a tweet that was yeah. like maybe the worst performance that Spielberg ever directed, and I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. But, I mean, it's you know. not. I don't know if it's the like movie the leaves it's, hangs it's him just, out to dry just, with that dialogue. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's right. very bad. It's just crazy how much like how like how bland of a lead character that is. Like, it's almost impressive to make it that bland. Yeah, it's it's a problem and. Look, I get that movie's, like, not entirely about, like, character and everything, but, like, every time he opens his mouth, it just, like, drags the movie to, brings the movie to a halt. And it's it's not his, I don't think it is entirely his fault. I think the script doesn't give him a lot of great dialogue to work with when he's talking about, like, Galaga or whatever the hell it is that he's talking about in that yeah. movie. But it's, like, it, it just, it doesn't match the energy that he's, like, so, it doesn't play to his strengths as an actor. Clay, when um, are we entering? I mean, like, and, Mendelssohn is... Clay, when are we, when are we entering the Oasis? That's what I want to know. Right, right. Oh, if we ever, like, when I start my Ben Mendelsohn podcast, which might be soon, I will definitely... You're actually leaving this one to go to that one. Yeah, I understand. Right, yeah. it's true. Uh, I, yeah. This is actually you have my the blessing. A, a yeah. episode where I announced yeah. this. Um, but, like, Mendelssohn's better than him in that movie. Uh, Cook is much better than him in that movie. Um, Simon Pegg is way better. Mark Rylance is way better. <laughs> Mark uh, Rylance in that Rape wacky is hair. Better. Jeez. Like, yeah. everyone is so much better in that movie than he is. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, almost every actor, besides maybe one extra. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and we're talking about, you were talking about, like, with McConaughey, like, the movies that, like, don't exist, like, so to speak, in, like, his career. Of course, we're, like, you know, speaking. You know, but, like, Sheridan is the one where you look through his filmography, and it's, like, a lot of movies that, like, just, like, slip through the cracks. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is The Voyagers? Someone tell oh, me what The Voyagers I have seen this movie. I saw this movie. Um, what? I am, what? Yeah, it, 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 so, okay, I think I, I think I had to watch it somewhere else because I don't think it actually, like, came out on streaming in Canada. But, um, so it's, like, it's Neil Berger who did Limitless and, like, uh, I'm trying to think of what the other thing is that he directed. The but, Upside like, and the Illusionist. Mm. Yes, that's that's him, yeah. So and he, Divergent. It's like, Oof. Yeah, that's the other big one, yeah. So this is kind of Oof. in that vein where it's, like, about, like, the Earth is dying and Colin Farrell, like, leads this group of, like, astronaut babies like uh to like go into space so that they can go to a new planet and start a civilization like they will plant the seeds for the future civilization but what he's doing is on the ship the whole movie takes place in space basically and he's giving them drugs so that they will like not have like any emotions and act on like their carnal violent desires and everything as they become teenagers and ty sheridan and finn white I, I haven't seen Equilibrium, so I don't know, but, like, sure. Um, um, but, like, it's uh, him and Sheridan is, like, one of, like, the top science experts at, like, the school uh, that he's, like, being taught at or whatever in space or whatever. And Bullshit. he and Finn Whitehead, he and Finn Whitehead from Dunkirk, they find out they're being drugged and they decide to stop taking it. And then basically they start, like, having sex and, like, beating each other up. And uh, that's what the movie's Wait about. a minute, it wait is a minute. Very Finn boring. Whitehead from Bandersnatch? Is that the one you're talking about? Right. <laughs> <laughs> the the one and the same and also <laughs> lily rose depp and a few other like people who have just been in teen movies um but it's is it good yeah N- not really it, i mean finn whitehead is kind of fun like it's i like that like this guy's like starting to find like a niche as like uh being like a sociopath like who like just like right. destroys everything and um but like sheridan is it even interesting just, is, is the movie interesting not really i mean i'm a sucker for like you know kind of like trashy teen stuff and everything right, but right, like it's right, just right. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to even really remember anything that happens in it. I watched it, like, a few months ago. Um, right. That's the thing. And that's, that. like you said, mm-hmm. like, it's just these movies, like, what, like, he was in this TV show called Wireless that had ten episodes. No it's a Quibi show, right? That's the... Oh, my God. Is it really? That's, I think oh, that's so. that's very funny. That's insane. It is a Quibi yeah. show, isn't it? 
but and then like he'll be in like he'll like have like the studio movies like he's in the x-men movies playing cyclops could not tell you what he does in that movie or it's like very indistinct character and well you or, see he has like a red lens and he like shoots lasers out of it that's you know that's the thing about cyclops. gotcha yeah <laughs> um uh how does he feel about it we don't know um <laughs> yeah. and yeah but then or like scouts kind of zombie apocalypse that's like a movie that like uh that i saw or like indie movies that like he's in the other Gillian Flynn adaptation Dark Places yeah. playing young Corey Stoll yeah. which I don't know how that happens like how do you grow up from Ty Sheridan into like <laughs> Corey Stoll or it's just like I don't know I, I'm always rooting for him I'm and I haven't seen too. Too. I, I am too but I I haven't seen the card counter I don't know how he is in that he's I've in heard that's counter. good but um, like I really like yeah. him when he works with Roy Alverson who is this I gotta small, see those movies maybe there are these small movies that and Roy Alverson's um, in the crew with like um, Eric Hyde, uh, Tim Heidecker and um, Eric Warheim uh, and he directs Greg Turkington in this movie called Entertainment in 2015 um, where Ty Sheridan plays a, cl- like a clown Literally, I'm not even describing the you character. mean Rick? Oh, did you say Roy or Rick? ah yes I mean Rick um, but yeah he's in uh, Entertainment as a uh, like a smaller role but then leads The Mountain in uh, 2019 uh, where he plays okay. opposite Jeff Goldblum, and it's this like ro- very somber, um, understated road movie about the two of them, and it's like uh, Jeff Goldblum's this Is like, Udo Kier? Udo Kier's in it, yeah, um, and um, love me some Udo, uh, love me. Denny some Levant Udo. is uh, is also in it, in this like crazy circus performer. Anyway, it's like he's both like matching the energy that Alverson wants him at, and and uh, I-, I think they'll collaborate in the future probably. It's yeah, I haven't seen those Alverson movies. They sound like divisive and tough sits, but um, that does sound like... I'm not like going to say they're not, about, like, but if you give yourself over to the movies, then you'll be like, wow, this is a director who knows exactly what he wants. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like that sort of bottled intensity or like bottled emotions that Sheridan, I think, excels at. That sounds yeah. like, from what I've read about those movies, that sounds like it fits it. And, but again, like, that's a movie that, like, I mean, we're talking about it. And there are people, I think, who know about it, like, who are really interested in film uh, and independent film. But, like, a, a lot of these movies I feel like he makes, like, indie movies, they're not the ones that exactly break through. Like, yeah. there's, he's in, like, something called Age Out, which is, like, directed by, like, a Malik guy or whatever. And it's, like, or, no, no, not a Malik guy, but someone, like, it's, like, a movie that you can watch on Tubi or whatever. And that's right. just where it belongs. Yeah. Or he's in right. something called, like, All Summer's End, which is, like, uh... Like, a movie that was, like, shot, I think, around the same time as Mud and came out, like, in 2018, like, on, like, some, like, mm-hmm. iTunes or something, yeah. like, with no, like, it's, like, got, like, Caitlin Deaver in it, and, like, it's, like, both, before both of them are famous, and it's, like, they were trying to cash in on it. I think it comes out after Ready Player One. Is this J. Like, Edgar era Caitlin Deaver? <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's probably, you know what, it's probably, like, Men, Women, and Children era Caitlin Deaver. Um, yeah. But, um... Yeah, it's it's not a good movie, but like it's just kind of movies that like slip through the cracks. And like you watch them if like they come to come out on VOD or whatever. And even just like some of them I've heard are good, but like he he hasn't quite hit yet. I guess the other one that like the one that like maybe does sort of work for him is uh, Joe, the David Gordon Green movie. Mm. I remember him being pretty good. I want to see that, that. So that's and that's kind of funny. Twenty thirteen. Yeah, and I, I also think it's funny to bring that out too because Gordon Green like went to the same school as uh, Jeff Nichols oh, and um, um, like was, did, an e- was and was an EP. On... It must be Danny McBride. Was yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Because they yeah. yeah it, I looked it up. The, the alumni at his school. It was, hang on. 
North Carolina School of the Arts. The alumni includes David Gordon Green, Craig Zobel, who did like Mayor of yeah, Easttown, sure. uh, uh, Z for Zechariah. Yep. Yeah, and um, Jody Hill, who's like often a Danny McBride collaborator. Mm. Um, Tim Orr, who shoots a lot of Gordon Green's movies. And then some guy Jesus. named Michael Tully. But uh, yeah, so like, it, and Gordon Green, like, executive produces, you know, shotgun stories. And what's kind of interesting reading yeah. a couple of interviews with Nichols, like, sort of seeing how he's, how he's risen through the ranks. Uh, Nichols has now acted as EPs for like other directors like sort of up and coming movies like he was a, an EP on this movie called Hellion with Aaron Paul by this woman Kat Candler and like he said like that's like where he was at in his career now he says like yeah. where he's able to do that and I think that's kind of touching the sort of passing of the torch and mm-hmm. helping other people out like he once was um, and that kind of yeah, makes sense very since interesting. He, he like packs so much in the middle of the decade like coming out back to back with Take Shelter and Mud and then the same year you have Midnight Special and and loving, yeah, just like, yeah, multiple I wanna, movies yeah, yeah. every year after that. Yeah. Like, listen, yeah. listen to his 2020. This is like really sad. The Night Clerk, whatever the fuck that is. I think he plays an autistic person in that movie. Which, oh my god, oh my gosh, Ooh. that's yeah. Oh god, die. Uh, that, that is not NFL correct. Twenty One, the video game where he. I've actually played this video game, and I've seen, and I've, and it's a, there's a story mode that's like five hours long, and he's barely in it, and he plays a character, and he's horrible in it, absolutely dreadful. <laughs> and Wireless, the Quibi show that was mm-hmm. exactly produced by Steven Soderbergh, that absolutely no one fucking watched. Wow, that's his twenty twenty. I mean, Three he's still young. He's yeah. like twenty five, I think. Yeah. So no, I guess I'm he still has some time. Like, it's but it's for, like he's like doomed or whatever. But it's no. it's like but like we said with McConaughey, it's like there's a noticeable drop off. I do see why they don't know what to do with him. Like he does have like still boyish features. Like he's not right. like can he's, he's not a hunk, but he's not a nerd either. I didn't, yeah, I didn't and I don't know. And again, it's it's the energy that he brings to like something like mud. What makes him compelling? I'm not saying that you can't bring that to a lead performance, but like that is like kind of, I mean, you watch watch him in Mud, and it's like a it's a very compelling performance, but it is like so reserved and so internalized for so much of it. When like he's just like he's conveying a lot of his emotions through like like a quick blink or like looking down at the floor right. to show that he's nervous, and it's like that's I find that really compelling, but it's like I don't know exactly how you plug that into like a big movie if you're trying to advance your career. Um, yeah. Especially like a studio movie or like a blockbuster. It's like, that doesn't like, uh, you need another drama. How do we like, make him player one is my question. Filmmaker. Yeah. What, what's yeah. up? I just, I just wonder what, how we make him player one. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is he ready? I don't know. Maybe not. Um, um, but I think it's interesting because it's like one of the things with Sheridan's like I noticeably separate, like I think of it's like, I think of him as two different actors. Him in, like, Tree of Life and Mud and then the rest of it. Mm. Or whatever. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen... I haven't really seen much of his stuff. But it's, like, one of those things So it's, like, well, I don't has. pick... Like, when I watch... <laughs> even when I watch Mud, I have to be, like, oh, yeah, that is, like, Ty Sheridan. Right. Like, it, it, like, it doesn't, like, click to me. Because he's so... It feels like any time I see him, he's, like, he's so uncomfortable just, like, being an actor. Like, he's just, like, I guess I'm an actor and I'm doing this And role. plus it's interesting like, he, that he's And he's, the... like, fine in the X-Men movies or whatever. But it's, like, you don't... You don't really you don't want it. I think it's like the seventh lead in that yeah. movie. It's like, yeah. Well, he's in two. He's in fucking, he's in Apocalypse where he's like introduced like midway through and he like, he gets some of it. But like, again, there's so many cast of characters. He gets like, he gets really nothing to like, he gets like to be like, I'm with, I'm a high school student and like they're older. So let's do things. And then mm-hmm. like, and then like Dark Phoenix, which I haven't seen because no one's actually seen that movie. <laughs> um, and so it's like, and maybe he has a bigger role in that, but it's like, who, it doesn't matter because no one saw it. 
Yeah, and I, I think I mentioned this in our Trio Life episode. Um, it's always shocking to, to remember, like, he's the only one of the kids that breaks out. Like, Hunter McGracken doesn't really do much else either. Yeah. yeah. I'm also surprised... With... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to... I, I was gonna take it to uh, talking about the kid who plays Neckbone, Jacob Lofton. Yeah, he's, like, in a couple, he's in like a yeah, he's in like a couple of things. I mean, he's in like the Maze Runner movies, and I think he's actually like in Free to Say to Jones with Matthew McConaughey, yeah. but he dies at the beginning of the movie, yeah. and like it's not been quite as prominent a career. I mean, I, I don't know if like maybe it's tough. Uh, I, I I don't know. Maybe I don't know why he hasn't hit because I think he's very compelling in this movie. I think he's he. I mean, he gets the funniest lines in the movie. Um, like, I love, like, all his commentary when, like, he's asking, like, McConaughey about Juniper and, like, uh, and Mud says, like, oh, she's beautiful. And then, like, Necklace just, like, bullshit. And they're just sort of, like, he's just, like, always, like, kind of cracking wise about yeah. the, the whole movie. Um, I think he's it's... more comfortable in his own skin than Ellis is because I, I, you can see a reality that further down in their lives, he just becomes his uncle. While I think Ellis just kind of is still, like, figuring himself out and just can stray into different yeah, like, paths. Yeah, like, Ellis could be, like, he's, like, in a fork of the road. Like, I, he that could be, turn out to be any kind of person. But, like, El, like Neckbone, you're like, his name's fucking Neckbone. He's gonna turn out one way. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. Not, there's not, like, a lot of futures for Neckbone. And for better or for... I, th- I think for better or for worse, I think you're right, Jack, that he does have, like, a sense of self more than Ellis has. Especially, like, in relation to who's raising him. Um right. I think, like, like the whole scene... dope. I want to be raised by Michael Shannon as like a surf, yeah. like surfer dude who does weird things in bed. I would, oh, I love this. Cool. That's so funny when it's revealed that Ellis has come to Neckbone's house to get the book, and you see it's like talking with the opposite sex, and Neckbone says like, "Oh yeah, this really helped Galen turn his life around," and then it cuts immediately to like the girl angrily driving off. It's like, okay, sure. <laughs> we all have um, different tr- interpretations of turning our life around. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I love I, I love that like even though Shannon is like a bit of a goofball, like inviting his fourteen year old nephew to pump it up with his friends or whatever, <laughs> like when he's like you know thirty years older than him. I'd it's be there like, in a second. You couldn't convince you couldn't convince me not um, to be there. That I, sounds yeah. fucking dope. Yeah. But I love the scene on the boat when, like, he's trying to, like, talk to Neckbone and say, like, you know, I'm here for you if you want. Like, it's very touching, but, like, Neckbone doesn't even really seem to respond to it. It's like he doesn't need that moment. He's just, like, so multitasking, like, yeah, okay, thanks, man. And then, like, whereas, like, I think it's much more meaningful contrasting that with Ellis, where, like, when his dad is getting through to him, it really means something at the end of the movie because that guy's so hard to talk to. And I think that Galen kind of forces it, too. Like, I don't, okay, I guess I'm the uncle. Like, I'll be the more, I'll be the the parent here. Right. And, um, yeah, it's like the uncle nephew dynamic is like you hardly see that in like movies at all. Just like um, it's such yeah. a, it's a, it's I, such a such a unique one too. Right. Yeah, I, and I, I like. There's this, I, I was, oh, I, I was I was um, I just remember what I was gonna say, but like Nichols has this interview um, where he's like, you know, I told I want I threw Michael Shannon through the ringer in uh, shotgun stories and take shelter i just want to give oh. them an easy breezy you know you're the supporting right. role um right. you're just gonna chill you're just gonna like relax in um gonna be shirtless um, for a lot of it yeah right the like, rural no real arkansas reason. yeah yeah and, and and it's just like it's such a smart use of shannon and you're gonna wear with every outfit. movie you just get a different side of them you know it's i was thinking about it, right. this, this we did shape of water it's not our first shannon so um no no no, no. Wait, have we done any more? I think that those are the only, only ones. Um, those, I mean, those have got to be the only ones. Yeah, I, I can't. He's great and stuff, but he doesn't have like a ton of great capital G movies. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, 
I, I think there are a few. I mean, he's great. This is the one, one screenshot. Nice. Yeah, this is one of them. Um, yeah, I like all the. I, I mean, save except for loving the one I haven't seen, which he, Shannon's also in, and I love that. Like he's Nichols in it for has, like, like a second. A That's the one movie. where he's in it the least in any of Nichols's movies. Um, I, I, I mean, do you want to? Is it okay if I tell you what he plays? Yeah, please. Yeah, okay, it's okay, a true. Okay. No, it's a true story. Yeah, so it's like, a true. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Um, Wait, does he play a racist? Okay, well, I mean, that would be yes. Okay, that would be expected. But no, he doesn't. He plays a reporter oh. um, who is taking a story about the stories of, of the loving couple, um, and, oh. and and he's just like well, docu- he's documenting one of the first interracial uh, couples. In, that's very from, nice from the of newspaper. Nichols right. to be like, I'm gonna yeah. I'm I'm gonna toss you a bone on this one. Yeah. I'm not gonna make you the racist. I'm, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be what some Hollywood, like, I'm not gonna do, yep. do you like because those are for the lawyers to be the racist, yeah, <laughs> so. right, yeah. So like, yeah. I mean, like, ninety nine homes. I hear he's great in, but like, yep. it's not ninety nine homes. Um, the night before, I hear he's great in. Like, the mm-hmm. thing is, like, you know, he's really good in Man of Steel. Oh God, very he's fun. Ins- he's sensational in that Little Drummer Girl, the Park Chan Wook miniseries. Have you seen Premium Rush, the bike messenger movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I know that's you... your movie, I, or not not your movie, but that's like the that's like a Bryden kind of. Um, like, that was a movie I really loved as a kid. Yeah. Was I, that was that yeah. David Kep or am I confusing? Yes, that? that's maybe his best movie that he's directed. I haven't seen Secret Window or like the Trigger Effect, but like it's definitely better than Mordecai and Stir of oh, Echoes. Um, I've heard really good things about yeah. Secret Window though. Yeah, definitely. But like Nocturnal Animals is like garbage, but he's great in it. That's one of those things. It's Oscar like, nominated, like, right? Isn't yeah. he nominated for that? Surprise movie? nomination. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it's weird. One of those that's very like, weird. Everyone was like, "Yeah, that's." A Do you guys remember when Aaron, like, Aaron Taylor Johnson won the Golden Globe for that? That was that was a big moment. <laughs> that was he weird. won. Yeah, yeah. That was like that was I a shock. That, that, that movie is such a like Hollywood foreign press. Like yeah. Tom Ford gave us some cool clothing. Full of movie stars. For this yeah. one, mm-hmm. we're not gonna give him like best picture, but at le- I mean, we can just give it supporting, and we'll be fine. And you know like or whatever like, this was so I, it um, was sort of like makeup for not awarding him enough for a single man just, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean knives out i love um mm-hmm. and he's great in oh, yeah. i mean everyone like it's like one of, like he's maybe like the most talked about performance in that movie even though he's really, really not the main character i mean him, oh, sorry him and craig obviously craig's talked about more but like yeah like just i, I think darnus is also talk, pretty talked about yeah, but like Evidence I don't know. I, I just remember. I just remember everyone was talking about the line delivery of like, you know, like or what? What was it? I don't eat shit or something like yeah, that. That's right. um, I will not eat one single iota of shit. shit or something. Yeah, that's right. yeah. it's so good. It's excellent. Yeah, so yeah. Good. And that's so funny too because it's like an off cam. It's like off camera that you hear exactly. it as like they're leaving the room. Like it's so offhand. And and it's totally improvised too. It's like oh, Ryan really? was like, no, I didn't. Or there was there was that one good. close up of um, of Evans and he's like shoving the cookies in his face, like eat them, eat them. Right. So funny. <laughs> I can't wait to cover that um, one. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. The one, the, the one. I mean, we're talking about like this 2010s work, but the one that he's also great in is um, the City Lament movie before the Devil Knows You're Dead, where he oh shows up God. late in the movie to basically ask Ethan Hawke, just saying, "You owe me money, and you're gonna give me money." And like, there's like, I, I, yes. I, I don't know if I can. I'll maybe show it to you guys some other time. But like, there's like a, a shot in the movie where he just like. He like looks like takes his eyes all the way to like the right side of his eye to like just glare at Ethan Hawke, and it's like that is like the scariest look that you could give. Someone. I forgot like, he I don't was think in you would it. Want to yeah. Be able to see 
Oh my gosh. It, he's so great. He's like calling Ethan Hawk Chico. He's like, I'm going to be straight with you, Chico. Well, if I call you Chico, and it just keeps doing it anyway. That's such a, of oh, course man. you would say that. That's such a Michael Shannon. BD, thing, so. what a picture. I, w- yeah. I just want to I, I tell our listeners that uh, Mr. Jack Draper almost died from euphoria after being reminded. It's a great movie. I don't know. Yeah. It's just he, like, it's really he, like, before the devil I, knows you're dead. It's one of the biggest excellent. smiles I've seen in a little I haven't, while. I haven't he seen it in gasped. years, but like, no, it's just, he was, it's excellent. Jack was so happy the moment you said the title of that movie. Like, oh my god he wasn't that that's so cool i need y'all like to understand a, like that's a, a movie boy. that hears that it's a movie that has philip Hoffman and ethan hawk and the starring roles it's in sydney right. directing like it's it, it's, it's great. made for yeah. you i understand oh. i need, i need yeah. to see it i love sydney sydney's great i mean it's you, made, guys, it's, you guys have read his book right yeah Making it's movies. so good yeah it's yeah, yeah. It's so good yeah. it's one of the more like and it's not like good director it, it's not yeah, like it's just <laughs> Yeah, it's like, and it's not, it's one of those books that doesn't glamorize Hollywood, but doesn't like make it like a nihilistic hellscape either. Yeah. It's just like, no, we just do solid work in it. We try to do the best we can. And I mean, like coming from a 30 are... theater background, he's always been like very pragmatic, like great actress right. director. Um, like, oh my God, and you know. Learning from his mistakes. Yes. Right. Um, Marissa Tomei is also great in that too. Oh, great cast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, no, back to mud. Good. I mean, like, I mean, there's a lot to talk about with this movie. I mean, it's there's so much stuff in it that's great. I mean, where do you even? I mean, I don't, I don't know what else like sticks out to you guys about this movie. I mean, there's like a lot of stuff I feel like we could talk about. Mm. Um, we, I mean, Sheridan, McConaughey, all great. You know, how many times but, have you seen it? This was I'd seen it in theaters like eight years ago. For some reason, I I, I owned the DVD for years. I never cracked it open. I'm not entirely sure why. Maybe it's because it is kind of a long movie. Um, and I don't know if I'm always like, I, I just, maybe like the, the longer I waited, the more I was kind of worried maybe that it wouldn't hold up. I right. wonder if that maybe right. was like a thing that happened. But um, yeah, I was very happy to see that like it was pretty much as good as I remembered. Um, so you've seen it twice. I've seen it twice. How I, Was this the second time you've seen it? Um, this, yeah, it this the is the same. I, I think it's the same for Jack as well. Yeah, it's the second time. I watched it for the first time in 2017. I don't know if I mentioned that, but it was, it was like people talked about it, say it was good. I watched it. I'm like, oh yeah, it was great. Um, and then like, as the years go on, I'm like, was that movie actually that great? I don't like remember like a ton of it. And it seemed, and it like, and I think, and unfortunately it sometimes has, I think when I think about it, sometimes it has that Sundance, like ultimate Sundance movie stigma of like what, you know, like that's understandable. Wondrous boy, mystical man about love in a very, like in a, like a, a uncultured place or whatever. And you know, it's like. You know, they're trying to figure it out, and it's like a coming-of-age story, that kind of thing. Good sense and of place, I, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so, like, that, so it kind of denigrated it in my mind as the years went on, but then, of course, when I rewatch it, I'm like, oh, no, it's actually, like, really good. It's, like, really solid and really, and really engaging and actually quite fun and just, like, it's, like, mm. it's not, like, it, it, it's not, like, a fun, I don't know if fun is the word, but it's, like, it's a really, like, enjoyable movie to just watch because yeah. there's nothing, like, horrendous that happens. There's no, like, something, there's something, like, tragic or whatever it's all it's all just been like yeah no that was like it's just like super like sunday sunday morning or not sunday morning but like sunday <laughs> midday just like watch it and you're like man that was a good movie i, I think nickel's entire catalog is just very watchable like that right. and you learn and, and like all the characters are just sensationally well drawn and um it, it kind of reminds you of classic literature and just all of all of the uh moral lessons are cautionary tales at the end of the day. I mean, this one specifically, it was, since he always uh, um, sought out Huck Finn as, like, inspiration. Um, yeah. Like Mark, and Mark Twain, classic stories. 
yeah the other author it was funny that like you know just like the connect how closely he works with like some of the other austin filmmakers you know like david gordon green he says that he said in an interview that one of the authors that influenced him was of course mark twain but also this guy larry brown and i looked him up and he's the guy who wrote joe which gordon green directs and which sheridan is in so it's very funny that he talks about that um yeah it's um uh he's also like a very good director i mean he's he's got like really good sense of character. I think uh, he's really good with actors and like sense of place, like you said, but he also knows how to make like something exciting visually. I love, like, I think the thing that he does like a lot throughout this movie is like playing with off screen space, like having like the characters like come into the frame and like look up at something like to make, give you the sense that this is going to be epic what they're looking at. And then you cut to like, you know, a low angle shot of like the, the boat in the tree, like the sun shining through it. Or when like mm. they like, you know, like, neckbone like says like oh my gosh look at this girl and then like it cuts to like a close-up of like reese witherspoon looking in slow motion it's like he really makes those moments feel big which i think is a very important thing uh as a director he has very good instincts in that regard um, yeah and like we've said before just incredible use of witherspoon mcconaughey just know, like he knows who he's working with i do Every wish that witherspoon i do wish that witherspoon um got a her, her role i wish her role was a little better written that was my one critique is that i feel like i don't know i think we get a very one-sided and of course that's kind of in the framework of the movie but we get like i feel like we get like a pretty one-sided view of her i i know they're they are like oh but no he lies that's the thing about him but it does feel like there's like a lot of pieces missing with him when you but even or missing with her but when you want like but mud story you feel pretty confident like yeah no that's mud story but i don't know i i, I felt I don't know. I, I felt like there was some like certain threads that just uh, that weren't really pulled on. When it comes I see to where you I see where you're coming from. I think that is the perfect doll for Witherspoon because she with the time that she has, it's just like enough that we need. Where it's just like we get the relationship. That's she's fair. Sort of. She's a bit unattainable. Um, uh, you know, I think Nichols even mentions Mud is like a golden retriever that is always coming back to juniper even when she doesn't want him and and it's like right. yeah you absolutely get that relationship like i think they are still in love but she's just bored right so she just I, I, and i totally i i i think that witherspoon does an excellent job with with what she's given and it's kind of right. the opposite of like she doesn't live up to to the material um talk about someone and else does this no, Alice does the same thing with me pearl yeah Yes. Yeah. Right. Sorry, I cut I you off. Gonna, I was just no. I was just gonna mention the similar thing. Yeah. Yeah. I read your mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, um. Yeah. No, no, no. Please, Clay, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> oh no, I, no. I was. You're you're good. Go 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 go. <laughs> yeah. Um. The thing that uh, I mean, this is a thing that you you talk about with this and the treatment of women in the movie. That's like a thing that like kind of I think made me nervous to revisit because I'd seen other reviews where people ding the movie for its treatment of women. Um. I think for the most part the movie comes down on the side like that's against like the men for like putting them in situations where like i think you know with the sarah paulson character i think that was like a character that was criticized where she just like saying i deserve like a new life or whatever but i think the way she plays it like where it is like the love for her son like and wanting to give a good life for him too like that like comes through like that sort of gentle affection she has and also i think the actor who plays the the dad uh ray mckinnon who i think is incredible in this movie um yeah he's a very very good character actor yeah yeah he's like um 
that guy's like i mean like i understand like i'm sympathetic to her like not wanting to be in that marriage because that guy's tough to talk to like you first see them like talking at like the breakfast table like he's like has the paper up like almost like a, it's like almost like a cartoon image of like an oblivious husband but just like she's saying hey i want to talk and he's just like is like stonewalling her and he's like that with his son too like he he's like he's like hiding his emotions like seeing in the dark not quite revealing himself as he's like talking to his son and I don't know. I think like the movie like sort of. She, I mean, she has like a whole speech where she says like you know. I have my notes here. Uh, like it's. Uh, I think she really is like you know. Uh, you get like all the reasons that she has like to not like, be in love with this guy anymore, and um, it's like up to him that he has to meet her on her level. I mean, the last line at the end that he has like one of the last lines he has with uh, Ellis at the end of the car is like he says like you need to make sure like you're taking care of your mom because this is a big change for her too. Like it's. There's the hope that that guy's going to evolve and try to be, like, more understanding. And I think right. there's also, too, with, like, Mud and Juniper, yeah, he's totally projecting all that stuff on her. But also, and he says he's doing this stuff for her. Like, he kills her abusive ex-boyfriend for her. But then, like, it doesn't really do her any good. Like, I mean, like, the whole right. idea of, I mean, the it's showing, the movie's showing revenge is, like, futile and everything. Like, it doesn't, at, at, at best, it does nothing. It doesn't bring you back the people who have died. And at worst, it, like, leaves you even more, like, worse off than before. I mean, with Joe Don right. Baker at the end of the movie, he's like, my oh, now my other son is dead? Now I have nothing. Like, that's, like, how, like, you really sit with the loneliness of that moment at the end. And also, McConaughey, by doing this, also puts Witherspoon in danger where, like, the guys are coming after her and, like, menacing her in the room. It's like, that's, that's on mud. And, like, it's... <laughs> so it's, like, it kind of showing how, like he thinks he's doing the right thing but he's like it's also like very self-involved and like kind it's of like, like running away ever. was worse than being seen in sight like running away did did nothing yeah um i also love their final uh juniper and mud's the final uh exchange in the movie where they just look at each other from like across the parking lot you know what it, this is kind of crazy because they're it's a very different movie tonally and i think the moments are kind of different but just i think like the visual uh, the visual framing of it and, like, the context of it. Like, it reminded me of, like, Val Kilmer and Ashley Judd's final scene in Heat, where, like, they're looking at each other, like, from, like, like she's above. Over the balcony, and it's just, like, yeah, yeah. They're both, like, both over balconies, and they're both, like, kind of, like, saying goodbye. I think it's much more... I feel like it's it's different in Mud because, like, they're both choosing kind of quiet, silently to, like, end this relationship. And whereas he, it's, like, it's forced upon them that they have to end yeah. it. It's, like, so crushing. But, like, it's it kind of reminded me of that. And I, like how mud like waves definitively like as if like goodbye like we're done and then yeah reese witherspoon like sort of i think she's like kind of hiding her emotions in that moment she sort of waves like kind of feebly and then like i like that nichols holds on the moment of like that there where she's just sort of like sitting with the emotions from like that loss of that relationship where like she is out of her life for good and like that is like it it shows that there is some meaning she's not just like stringing him along um and and i think it's also like with even if he is, like, even if she is, it's not like she owes him necessarily. It's, it's, she doesn't owe him anything. I mean, it's sort of like the mm-hmm. Ellis thing where, like, Ellis, uh, he, like, loves, he says he loves May Pearl, but, like, it's like he thinks, well, I love you, and that's enough. And I love the moment, too, the way Sheridan plays it, where after he beats up the one guy in the car, like, after, like, she pulls him off the guy, and, like, he's, like, almost looks in a daze, as if, like, he thinking he's thinking... Like, yeah, this is great. But then she shows him, it's like, what the hell are you doing? And, like, he comes out of a day, he's like, wait, you're not impressed that I did this? Like, it's... it's. <laughs> but I solved it's, it. I beat up the guy. Right. I'm right, exactly. Hero. It's so yeah, binary yeah, thinking. It's just yeah. like, well, this leads to this, and then that leads to this, and then you love me, so we must be always together, because you're my girlfriend. And it's like, yeah, it, 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 it's... 
I think my issue with, like, going back, like, I do think that, I like how this movie switches, so, like, first, when it comes to his parents' relationship, you get the, like, talk, like, the one-on-one with uh, his dad and him about, like, how his mom is basically railroading her, and, like, at that point, I'm like, okay, I mean, like, the way the dad's talking about it, and, like, just the whole, it does feel kind of unfair that he's gonna lose, like, this, his home, even though, you know, that kind of thing, even though, like, oh, she gave it to him or all that kind of stuff and it's like it's being ripped from him and then you then you then the car it's like i deserve this i deserve that and like you watch it from t- uh sheridan and ellis's perspective and you're like well this is kind of like tone not tone deaf but it's like he feels already pretty bad about like losing his home in the river so it's or like losing the idea of living by the river so he so it's kind of like it's not going to be received well if she says i deserve blank even though she's completely correct but that flip it all flips around the moment you see after they found out that he stole the motor and his dad slams him to the wall and the moment you see like this dad like losing his shit and you see how the mom's handling it and you see how little respect she's given in the mom and how he accuses her of influencing this decision by just saying like i need some space or i need to live better than this i need to be appreciated better than this the moment you're like oh yeah you need to leave like this is a untenable situation because he just like it, he has it, it the dad is being so obtuse in what and what like she's actually asking for like he mentions earlier that your your mother only wants to talk and like that's how she solves her problems instead of actions or whatever or like do what needs to be done and then you see that scene like oh he's just like he he's just being unreachable and obtuse about this whole situation and not realizing that he actually can't like he she needs to be treated better and with more respect of course he realizes at the very end because he asks him to like make sure to treat her well and take care of her mm-hmm. but it but i do like that flip and so i that that's where i'm like i don't have any actual criticism of the parent stuff i think it's with like juniper it's like I just don't completely buy that she would go out with another guy and then find out then when she finds out um mcconaughey wants to end it and just like sob um, like in, like absolutely like, sob like it's nobody's business i just don't believe that switch I, I i not fully at least i don't believe that she would go from just like i'm gonna go hang out i'm gonna go like flirt with these guys to like i'm in like a deep dark despair of like of depression because he wanted to end it. I guess it's just maybe them both kind of real. I mean, because McConaughey is pretty devastated too. And there's like the great scene where but like- But that makes uh, sense. But yeah. and, and he got, and I, I love, I, this is just like Nichols being so good with kind of like, sometimes the dialogue is like so perfectly spare. Like when Ellis like finds right. like the bonus, it's like, I guess you did some drinking. And then like Mud says like, I did a lot of drinking. Like right, just sort right, of like the, right. the phrasing of that is so funny. Um, <laughs> I think like, but I think that like, the breakup it's like they both like i think mcconaughey's like finally seeing that like maybe reese witherspoon like or, or like it is not really for him and then like like it's like it both become it's becoming real for them that's why they take it so hard realizing it's not meant to be after like it's just like maybe they took it for granted like it's like well yeah of course we've had it going on for so long that like it's just right. gonna be like maybe yeah. that's like that's a generous reading maybe of me projecting it on no it, but, i um, i I, I agree with you, I, and I, I think just to go back to that moment of with uh, Juniper and Mud's goodbye, I read Juniper as saying, I'm empathetic towards you, I'm sorry for you, but we need distance forever, <laughs> right? Yeah. And while while I, I think she's not angry and she's not, um, 
she's not pitying um it just it just reads as accepting yeah i also love her reaction too when i think i think this is what she's looking at in like that last scene on the balcony like she sees like the cars pulling out of the parking lot i think that's supposed to be the mercenaries who are rolling out yeah and she realizes yeah. like oh yeah. like that's like she's like yeah, she's she is like catch. worried i think in that moment that like mud is like gonna be gone yeah right? but then she sees him and then he just like disappears but um yeah i i think my i guess also my issue is like her blow up at like before she she reads the letter and right when um ellis sees her and basically saying you don't know mud you've only yeah. you've been only for a few days like he lies about everything he's a liar and like that's pretty, yeah and that, it's a little bit of implying like let adults handle this but it's like you guys aren't acting like adults <laughs> right so. right but like she but like she's pretty angry and has a lot of resentment in that moment and so i don't know i, I there's a lot of complexities with her character at least like plot wise that but like emotionally and like you know with within the context we're given i just don't all the way buy it and that's like it's it just it's just a pill that i can't really swallow um, even fair. though I think she's good, and I think that, like, I don't think the character is, like, horrible. I just think that with the com- kind of, not the gymnastic, like, the, not the gymnastic, like, I feel like I have to do some kind of gymnastics when it comes to some of her decisions and her, like, reactions to things. Uh, rather, it feel pretty, like, like natural. Um, yeah. I do love the but, moment when Ellis sees Juniper in the bar and with, right. with another guy. It's just, like, a great little bit of acting by Sheridan. Yeah. And I also love when they first give her the letter. And I think Witherspoon's very good in, like, the reading of, like, the letter where, like, uh, Mud's, like, telling her to hold on tight. And then, like, uh, like you see, like, the crinkle on her forehead. Like, it's, like, almost she looks like she's about to laugh and cry. And she's just like, oh, yeah, it right. says hold tight. And I love how Neckbone just ruins it by saying, yeah, we read the letter. And everything. just, like, the kid has, like, no discretion when it comes to talking to no adults. Filter. It's, <laughs> no filter. Yeah. He tells it like um, it is. I was actually looking at Witherspoon's filmography, um earlier today and it's kind of like this thing we pointed out earlier in the episode with Chastain and Sheridan working with Malik and Nichols like back-to-back years um McConaughey and uh Witherspoon work with Jean-Marc Vallée like kind of like back-to-back years with her being in Wild and McConaughey being in Dallas Buyers Club I think that's kind of funny um yeah that's weird I didn't like Like, we've, done, we've talked about Witherspoon a bit before with Inherent Vice, but she's had, like, kind of a standard decade. Like, like her big thing is Big Little Lies. I think that's, like, kind of a bit of, like, a career-defining role in my eyes. Just the parallels with her as an actual presence on social media and uh, just, like, a public figure. Like, her as Madeline and, like, an actual person are pretty similar. Um, and also, like, Home Again and, Hop, like, Hopper Suit doesn't ex- exist, but, I mean, like... Um, yeah, so I mean, like, as, uh, as like, I think you can sort of also point to her as, like, becoming kind of a caricature. Like, you could, and you she also... She's, she's kind of a Tracy Flick-esque, you know, so... Yeah, um, and she but also I, but I've does... Also, I've also just, like, enjoyed her in so many things. I can't, Yeah, like, and she also you know. does the McConaughey thing of escaping the romantic comedy jail. Yes, yes, that's a great... That's point. very interesting. I like... Point. Yeah. Because um, it's, but, like... But no, like, she, they're... I think they're yeah. both Oscar winners for things, like... Did they really need Oscars for that? But um, it also just like another pair. Is Wild good? I haven't seen Wild. Wild That's not what she wins for. She wins for Walk the Line. That's no, the she wins the for Walk the Line. Yes, yes. Yeah. She was nominated no, I, I, for Wild. She, right. yeah. I don't. I don't think she. She wasn't nominated for Wild though. Laura Dern was. Wait, what? Was she, what? I, Let's check this. I mean, I could. I could be wrong. I, but that's my gut. That's my gut. I think you're wrong. You know what? I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it right here. Okay. I think you're wrong. 
No, then I'm wrong. I accept it. I accept being wrong. She yeah, is nominated. No, Dern was also was nominated for supporting, but it's neither of them won. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. That I'm like that had to because it's also because that not not to say that was like the wither witherspoon renaissance. There's no good way like the <laughs> re- renaissance. Well, no, I mean, no? and while that, the that is interesting. <laughs> well, yes? I think that is an interesting thing thing to talk about. Like. I don't think she's ever like gone away or really rose to the occasion. She's always just been like very reliable. And when when the material when when the material and her presence click, I think it's very magnetic, like we see here. Um, but no, I just just to like talk about Walk the Line real quick. Like it is like such an odd win though, right? Like just playing yeah. a standard wife um, in a biopic about like an extraordinary musician that the movie kind of ends up being ordinary. Like that's a role that we've seen a thousand times and she happens to have an Oscar for it. <laughs> I mean, in yeah. my eyes, that's, that's what it seems like. Do you guys... I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Brendan. No, go ahead. You I was just going to say, I like that movie. I, I like I like Walk the Line from what I remember of it. I haven't seen it since high school, but it is like, I think you're right in the sense yeah, that... Yeah, like, neither have I. Yeah. yeah. It, and and it could have it could have been like any other movie that like she won for. Uh, that like, and I feel like the performances that people talk about with her career, Walk the Line is not like necessarily the first one that comes up. Like, mm-hmm. I mean election legally blonde uh and like some of the other ones like it's those are the ones i feel like are more iconic um in in our gone girl episode like i was pro her almost being um amy elliott dunn you know like i always wanted to see what that would look like yeah we talked that's a very different movie if you put her in that but that's interesting (laughs) um do you guys want to guess what movie um what other movie that her and mcconaughey were in together during this decade during this decade, sing. I'll give you. Yes, it is sing. Uh, good call. It's yeah. sing. good call. Which is. I thought it was. I thought it was. I was gonna say Kubo, but yeah. It's... Right. And her upcoming movies, like her acting wise, is pretty kind of depressing. Like it's nothing. Like it doesn't look anything like it's good. Yeah. Oh. Um. But like, no, she's a good actor. I mean, the thing about her decade we were talking about, it's like, is she gonna pop up in like it's a hit or like it's like a regular decade of an actor's career. It's not insanely great, but it's not bad either. Like she Mm -hmm. has like some misses, but she has some hits as well. So it's not it's like and it's it's not like clustered together. Like, like it's pretty like like I'll 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 put it like this: in 2012, she had two movies. One was Mud, and one was This Means War. That's her decade. (laughs) <laughs> it's either you either get a mud from her or you get this means war you either get home again or you get fucking wild or you know you either get like not home again honestly sorry, I, would... I, I haven't seen home again i'm talking uh, hot pursuit you either oh, get home hot a- pursuit kinda, or wild i, I kind of like home again <laughs> right no I I, I, that wasn't a shot against home again i just got the title wrong um like you either get a wrinkle in time or you get big little lies like that's her oh, deck oh my... oh, wrinkle of time like yeah and she's like the more like now she's like mostly doing like tv at least her like serious quote-unquote mm-hmm. serious stuff like morning show little little fires everywhere which was miniseries um and big little lies which is is big little lies done yes it was um, it was supposed what? to be one season and then they decided to do a second season which is uh, now they're done it's fine but, i'm a little but was, i like jean mark but yeah the, the yeah, behind the scenes yeah. stuff that happened with that sounds really unfair um Oh God, yeah. Jeez, don't remind me that. Like, yeah. But I, I always think those 
group of actresses are always like we really love working together so it's like a third season is always kind of like i don't know anything could happen but yeah i, no, I wouldn't I it shouldn't but it should no more i mean the second the second season was just them trying to be like well we're we're doing this again where it's like they never validated its existence for me yeah. and now she's yep. being paid let me check a hundred million dollars for <laughs> the morning show i think everyone in that cast gets a hundred million each or whatever yeah. oh i mean yeah even i mean a hundred million even crud up you know it's no, like, i'm hundred million dollars i hundred million dollars i forgot like that um technically it's 2010s but how do you know is it that as that in 2010 yes. that's the other thing that oh. she's in yeah. i was gonna shout out how do you know but it's like is not even worth it yeah i'm oh man do you want to come? Do you want to come back for How Do You Know? I would. Because <laughs> who else? I mean, will? I don't even who know if I have will? thoughts That's... on that movie. But yeah. <laughs> it's Nicholson's last role. I mean, that's kind of significant, right? You know. That's wild. Is yeah. it though? I don't. I mean, just for being Nicholson's last role, I guess. But... I mean, he 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 goes to the Staples Center to watch the Lakers once in a while. So there's there's. Does that. he act in a basketball game? <laughs> is basketball movies? Is that what you're saying? Maybe. Sure. Uh, I don't know. Is basketball cinema? <laughs> basketball cinema. There's actually a good YouTube channel called Basketball Cinema that I, I recommend people check out. It's actually oh. pretty good. It's like, just, is it about it's like, like basketball like, movies? No, it's actually like, like it's making... Is it about basketball like, players in movies? Right. No, it's, it's so like, just like, it makes... How do I explain this? It takes like really big storylines in NBA history and kind of makes it like cinematic in the sense of its telling of like, you know... Oh, that's failed cool. super teams back when Charles Barkley, Clyde Drexler, and Akeem Olajuwon played together. And, like, this uh, guy, what's his... I, I forget his last name. He goes by Jay Canada. So he's a Toronto... He's a Canada boy like yourself, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> but, like, he... But, like, I'm listening. He, but like no, he's he's a really good editor, and he like he t- puts a lot of stuff in. And he's also a big movie fan. Uh, but he puts a lot of uh, effort. So like yeah, basketball cinema. I would check that out. It's actually pretty good. Um, so is it about uh, characters in movies going to basketball games? Sure. Yes. Hundred <laughs> percent. It's funny that you said like actor basketball players who like actor movies. There is like. I'm bringing it back to Nichols, but like there's that scene in Shotgun Stories where it's like the two brothers talk about like it. like he keeps bringing up like quizzes like for his brother to answer. He's just like, all right, best. Act, basketball players who also acted and i think like one of them is like kareem abdul jabbar and conan the destroyer and charles barkley and five goes west and they're just like barkley's and five goes west are you sure about that and like it's just like kind of like a funny offhand moment it's just like you get like a sense of like yeah these guys are probably the age of those are the movies yeah. they were watching that's just like where their interests like sort of overlap it's just very funny is i think i do remember that moment that, wait, too what? and sorry go and ahead. it's so interesting no it's just interesting that um Nichols's stories are so like isolated from pop culture, like, um, and it's usually like royal stories, stories too. And it's nothing is very urban or uh, like sprawling about them. Um, and like they're working yeah. class characters, like in Shotgun mm-hmm. Stories, they're yeah. like fishermen, take shelter. Michael Shannon, I think, is like uh, or, oilman. Like, I, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, he's like something with construction yeah. where he's like planning gravel and like he's living yeah. paycheck to paycheck. Oilman, he's not Daniel Plainview. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And then like Mud, the dad, uh, Galen is like he looks like he's like fishing for clams, and the dad like sells fish and like yeah. meat. Like that's mm-hmm. yeah, it's like kind of like, but like you also get the sense that their way. Of, I mean, like the dad talks about how like their way of life is like kind of being left behind. Like there's, I don't know if there's any meaning to like the shot of like when like they're going into town and like they're driving past like boat yards that like look kind of like decrepit or whatever and it's just like the, like i don't know if like that's um showing like that their way of life is just sort of being taken away from them which is really interesting um yeah i don't know it, yeah it's it's really interesting that like nichols like you know is just interested in that kind of uh those kind of stories um yeah, for sure. 
like like yeah. um, showing occupations that aren't usually shown on screen too. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is again like that kind of goes to a quiet place. It's like rural. It's work. It's very like working class people like or trying to maintain a family. Like it's I know like people are like uh, but it's like I don't know. It's an inter- It's a it's a fun kind of premise that any that I'm. It's one of those things. that's like like a saw movie or whatever it's like i wish those had like different filmmakers because i would be like well what's this person's take on saw because it's like it's a playground and it's not like there's no like this i guess saw doesn't really work anymore because it has so it's so it's so burdened by all this fucking stupid mythology that is kind of fun but like i don't know like but or like the final destination like, franchise you love i'm still no, naming shit but like, i don't know like these like films that have like these kind of like high premise ideas and like that that you could just kind of play in without needing so much um like i like during the invitation <clears throat> i know this is a very different movie but i suggested that like each like there's like a, hey it's a movie that all three of us love you know right That's, but like yeah. but like the invitation it's like i wish there was like a mini series or whatever so like this filmmaker could do like make a move like because you know at the end of that movie spoiler alert, like you see like oh it's happening in so many different houses and then, like, you're like, oh, oh, I would be interested to see that movie and that movie, that movie. Just still, you know, that, you know what I mean? Just right. like, have this, like, it's like the Cloverfield version of the the invitation yeah, I, S, the invitations dollar sign at the end. There, <laughs> perfect dollar sign. All of it. Karin Kusama goes up to Netflix and she's right. like, I got it. <laughs> see this yeah, whiteboard here? So Can I, I use it? Yeah. Yeah. Like and like we were talking at like we've talked about the like, invitation resurrections. Yeah. Right. We've talked about, like, Mission Impossible and the idea of, like, oh, you know, it was, like, some people think it was better when they rotated filmmakers, some people don't think, you know, whatever. But, like, that idea of, like, taking this baseline premise that's not, and especially of a quiet place where there's no real mythology since it's, like, one family. So it's, like, why not, like, another family or whatever and see what happens. Um, Yeah. So I I don't know. I'm interested. Like, and to be honest, out of all the three, like, upcoming projects that, like, Nichols, Witherspoon, and McConaughey are doing. Um, I'm more interested in what Nichols is doing because it doesn't look like McConaughey and Witherspoon are like really like branching out or whatever. Well, maybe it's easy, but I would of course rather take the Adam Driver project over A Quiet Place that Nichols. Right? Is no, obviously. With. No, I'm, I'm again, just because I, I, I think like, Driver is just such a great um, lead for him. Just like if it's not going to be like, I can totally see him. Just I mean, he's great in Midnight Special too, but as as a lead, it, it, he'll definitely get to that uh temperature yeah yeah and yeah yeah and i i again like i do think like even though i was like skeptical i think like oh man he's like not doing an original movie he hasn't made something in like a long time like i think like again right. like it is you do get like watching these movies like there is like these pet anxieties that he has um as like a father and like as like a filmmaker he's very interested in stories about like and finding different ways like perspectives to like look at like you know parents being influences to their children like worrying about like how they're going to care for them now and also how they're going to care for like future generations of family and i think it's interesting how like he keeps showing different sides of that story like in shotgun stories it's mostly about the brothers and like the father and like how they view their father's legacy and how they're going to take care of their subsequent generations and then like take shelter it's all about this one guy trying to take care of his family in the here and now and then mud it's from the kid's perspective which i think is very interesting because he's always drawing attention to like how their kids how the kids view their fathers and like shotgun stories whether it's like what seeing their parents fight or like in take shelter the big freak out scene that scene ends with like Sh- shannon stopping and sort of like seeing he's like scaring the shit out of his kid like by just freaking out in front of them and yeah. feeling like really insecure about that so and then like a quiet place like you know how do we how does like a family take care of their kids 
let alone how do they do it in an apocalypse, like in these trying times, I guess, like it's much more difficult. I think that will be very interesting mm-hmm. to see him bring that sort of personal touch to it. Um, yeah, and I think in Midnight Special, like it's done much more metaphoric, metaphorically and imagined, imaginative. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean like the, the definitive line that I think like, in cap- the, like I mean, Nichols pet interests are encapsulated in that one line in the movie where um, after he's, Shannon's lost his son. He says, "Like Alton was the only thing I believed in, and I failed him." Like that's like the one concern that like runs through all of these movies is like not being able to provide for your family, and it's like right. it's really interesting. Like the worst possible case scenario actually came to fruition. And yeah, it's just like you feel ultimate devastation, even though Nichols is a very understated filmmaker. Hmm. I love um, the moment in the movie where like Mud really steps up for. Uh, as a character when mud when ellis falls in the creek of the snakes and it's a great action scene where like you know david wingo scores like really like the the electric guitar is kicking in but then like i also love how mud like has like the one moment of kind of hesitation when he like as if like he he's realizing like do i like risk myself to do it but then like the way he just like slides into the creek like without like a moment's hesitation just like and like neckbone asks like did you get bitten by the snakes and like it's like he stops as if coming out of a daze briefly like sort of looking around and realizing, no, I'm not bit and everything. Like, that wasn't his concern. I also like him that maybe, like, he's talking about how that shirt is the thing that protects him. I also like to think that maybe he's thinking, this shirt really does work. It's like, right. and then, like, <laughs> he comes to the hospital. Like, that's and just the thing I say. Right. Yeah, and then, like, as soon as he gets to the hospital, it's like he comes out of, like, a hypnotized sort of, like, survival instinct. And he realizes, oh, I put myself in this situation where I am now vulnerable and exposed. And, like, everyone's scared of me and knows who I am. And then he runs away. But, like, I like that mm. it's, like, that selflessness of, like, that the parent feels, even though he's not. Like, there is, like, a very paternal vibe to, like, uh, the way he has a relationship with Ellis. Um, yeah, and, and I love the way that Adam Stone shoots it so well. Like, it's, it, the whole thing just glides. Super fluid. So effortlessly. Yeah. And uh, it's almost like it was planned out it and sporadic at so the whole well. time. Um, yeah. And, and, I mean, the camera reacts that way and also Mud reacts that way, where it's just, like, I've, I've... I planned out this situation in case these two boys get into trouble they're not supposed to get into on this little mutt. You know, so. Yeah. Um, and I think we did talk about it, like how it does like kind of get um, action-y. Do you guys like the, the the how this movie does like climax with like a shootout? I feel like that's like something that people like ding movies for. It's like, oh, of course it ends with like a yeah, chase or a shootout. But I think yeah. it's like, pretty Like I germane. mentioned with Alonzo Duralde mentioning that, like yeah. it feels, it feels just like, um, it feels planned. It feels it feels choreographed and um, just like the the movie builds to it uh, pretty pretty well. And um, I don't know. I, I don't really think I, I have an issue because the presence of that rival family was looming so large. Um, it feels it feels like a the right culmination, even though it it's not like we saw many scenes with that much thrilling uh, suspense throughout the whole movie. I don't, I don't know. I mean, Nichols feels like such a measured filmmaker throughout all of his movies. I, I can't really see myself being thrown off by just like this one instance. Um, but then again, I'm not really that good at nitpicking. <laughs> I don't. No, it's... I don't know how else you end it. Like I don't know. It's like when you're thinking of a climax, it, it it's one of those things. If you include the storyline of the, this crime family or whatever the fuck they are. It's like restaurant. They own a restaurant chain. That's their thing. But they also have like right. connections with like cops on payroll. They talk about right. So it's like other things. Maybe fingers and other pies. But yeah. Right. Exactly. I. So it's like I don't. 
I don't know how el if you don't if you have that storyline that's like only the way like way it ends if you don't like that I, I think it's just like you have an issue with the presence of the storyline and I'm not trying to put in words in people's mouths I'm just saying like I guess it's just like I, if you if if you, to have that thread in this film I don't know what like they get arrested or they get like like mud kills them off screen I don't know it's like it's it feels like the natural progression because also it's like it shows that mud even if his best intentions still is like he almost got these people killed because he's just like he's a very reckless and arrogant person and mm -hmm. he and it's like it, even though you know like mud can think he can live with free of like consequences and stuff um a lot of times because he thinks he's like the shit and he kind of is but also like he gets shot and almost everyone else gets shot too um mm -hmm. and it shows also it's like it also shows that it's also kind of a not a redemption but like it's a good it's a good way to give the dad uh, um his dad more of like an upsell because you're really down on him after like he pins him against the wall like you think he's a piece of shit so that plus his, his like the care and compassion he shows after he gets bit it's like there is that kind of like he's still even even though like he might not he's definitely not the most caring and thoughtful person he's still like he's a man of his word in the sense of he still takes care of his family's affairs he still like does what's right he still wants to he's still like he doesn't he's not all talk like he's he, he does i think he even says. with that i don't know if i believe ray mckinnon becomes sam shepherd no i and i don't think the movie does either I think there's a it, yeah, I think it's pretty like noticeable that they don't end up together because that I because I easily could have seen that it's like the one like they hold hands at one point like at, I think or like they like they have yeah when Ellis is back home from the hospital yeah exactly yeah I and so it's like that could have easily led to like oh they're back together since the like this whole thing brought them brought them back but like I think the movie's like no they're just like not can't really work this out it's like he's kind of like he's just not being a good partner right now and there's no real way to change that like instantly like he has to learn that but there's like they'll, they'll if anything they'll maybe be like a really good divorced couple where they'll be like they'll like be on good terms with each other for Super the purpose of their kid and like yeah, yeah 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 and they just like they're there for the kid and um yeah it's um i also uh this is another thing too with like just like the Nichols is so good with like the emotions and how he has his actors deliver them. Uh, there's like the final scene in the car. I keep mentioning it with like uh, Ellis and his dad, where like they're like like I feel like throughout the movie you're seeing the distance of like between Ellis and his parents, but like having them just like in kind of individual close-ups, not really like like close together physically or emotionally as they're talking to each other. But then like you don't quite have that with like the dad at the end, but like it's more direct as they're facing each other. And when they say "I love you." I love the way that Sheridan, like, pauses and, like, you know, just sort of, like, as if, like, reflecting on the words and says, I love you, too. Like, they really are being more considerate of their emotions and, like, on the way to, like, forging, like, something real, I think, at the end of the movie, which I, I think, like, is just incredibly touching. Um, Nichols is yeah. really good at putting, like, at emphasizing the power of the word love. That's what I got, got from this movie. It's, like, he puts all of the weight 
into that word. Because a lot of times in films and television or whatever media you're consuming, it's like love is just like, oh, I love you. I think so, showing and telling love too. Yeah, I mean, like, love can be such a thrown-in thing to just say in like dialogue or in just con- or in just discussions in general in life. And like it, sometimes it, mm-hmm. it becomes a meaningless word because it's just like, oh man, I'm not, I love you, dude. You're great. And or it's like a kind of a ragged on punctuation. Right. Like it's about love. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> That's the big one. But yeah. he puts like the stakes and actual weight of that word into any to almost every single time it's said. Um, whether it's like, oh, but we, but I, you know, I, when he says I love you to Mary Pearl. Or May Pearl, and it's like that's like there's so much power in when he I says. I was just that. gonna say, yeah. yeah. Or, or it's like he kind of learns the power and and how like you need to be using it more delicately. Yeah, like you can't right. Just like the first crush you have when you're a tween, it can't just be. Like, he doesn't even really seem to know. Like it looks like he's searching for the words when he's like just right. so confused. He's like, but <laughs> I love you. Like he's like, like he like this, almost like kind of doesn't but know how girlfriend. to process it. Yeah, this yeah. is supposed yeah, yeah, to yeah, make yeah. sense. Like this is supposed to like act in this way. So why is it not? Because like I love you, and that should be enough. And that um, scene is that breakup scene is so. I mean, breakup scene. I mean, they weren't really together or anything, but like it's so brutal. Like I think she actually. I think like. It's maybe a little harsh, but, like, I think she's totally in the right saying, like, we went on one date that does not entitle you to this. But then, like, it's also, I think, made more wounding by the fact that, like, you see, like, the shots interspersed with, like, the onlookers who are just looking kind of amused by, like, this stupid kid, like, who's, like, right. like just, like, caused all this stuff. And it's just, like, it's so brutal. Like, you just feel, the, like, so bad for this kid in that moment. It's The you're only 14 line is pretty brutal. It's, like, that's pretty, like, cutting. It's just, like, you're yeah. only 14. Like, you don't know fucking shit. Yeah, um, but I think this is also the formative years to to realize you don't know shit, you right? Know? And that's kind of the beauty of this. And yeah, I, I already mentioned that. And I mean, like, yeah. she was right to say that too. It's like you, totally. you, you're legitimately only fourteen. And I never, I, and both times I watched this movie, like, how old is she? I don't like because that's also kind of like she's just so much more taller than him. It's like weird. Yeah, he said, well, um, one of the kids that when she gets, like, the first thing that, like, he has with her is, like, he sees her across, like, at the Piggly Wiggly, and he sees, like, from afar, like, a guy, like, grabs her ass or something, and he beats up the kid, and then, like, she says, you realize you just punched a senior, and he's, so, like, she's, like, maybe, he's 14, she's probably, like, what, 17, she's, she's, like, probably, like, 17 or 18, like, a few years older than him, like, I hope not yeah. 18, that would be, um, like, no, that would be weird, <laughs> realize that, yeah. let's pray for 16, yeah, <laughs> so something that I found interesting about um, research Reese did for the part of Juniper is she went to one of those um, motocross events like like very southern trash um, like gatherings and like everyone watches like uh, like uh, those dirt courses and they just like ride bikes around and I kind of suspect that if that's the kind of energy Reese wanted to bring to Juniper like May Pearl is probably one of those girls who actually goes to those things. Right, exactly. And it's like, she's, yeah, so. As, as like, a high school, like, meets up with the girlfriends and stuff. So. Yeah, there's no actors who are like, I don't, what are you doing here? You're, like, from New York. You know, it's, there's no one in this who gives that kind of performance of, like, you're way too, like, urban and modern and, like, this doesn't make sense. Like, you're, like, you just don't buy them. Um, like, Neckbone, I feel like privileged. Neckbone is the yeah, ultimate, yeah. like, of course you were from Arkansas. You can't be any, you, your name yeah, is that's, well, I think, um, that's where Nichols found him. In well, like I think a, Jacob, Jacob Laughlin is actually from Arkansas. Yeah, that's where he found him in, like, an Arkansas casting call. And, like, he said, like, in an interview, he said, like, he was just like, watching, like, Nichols said he was watching just, like, interviews 
or not interviews, video auditions, and then he came up on like a JPEG of just this case. It's like, and you see the teeth, and you just think, man, I hope the voice works. And then like it just like that's that's what got him uh, the role basically. And it's that's so it um, is it's so I, funny. I, I, I think it's worth mentioning now that you bring that up. Um, Ty Sheridan was cast because it was the same producer on Tree of Life. Yes, yeah, that was really interesting. Reading all those people that he just like all these connections that Nichols has type has like how the people he's tight with and that he that are living in the same area as him. Like, it's just like... Does he have a he's southern very accent in Tree of Life? I don't remember. He, well, I mean, because I, I believe he does. Because it's... Well, um, even though he's he doesn't have as much dialogue as Hunter McCracken does, he's got to, right? Sheridan was born in Texas, too. Okay. For a minute, he was yeah. always just one of those actors where I'm like, like, I don't know, for some reason I just didn't think he had, like, a southern accent. Because I don't know. Like, I guess when I see him in movies nowadays, like... It's like one of those things when you see Ready Player One, it's like, there's no way that actor can have a Southern accent. Not just because it's like, not because he's so great in it, it's just more of like, that, like, that, an accent like that does not fit with him as just like a character or a person. Um, but apparently mm-hmm. he does. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. I, uh, I, what, I what did I want to mention? Um, ah, shit. Oh, yeah. No, you were saying, like, Reese Witherspoon was doing research, and I'm like, I'm just imagining, like, asking McConaughey, like, so what research did you do for this film? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean, research? <laughs> like, just, like, I, I have no concept of that. Just L-I-V-I-N. <laughs> right, right. It's like, exactly. He's just like, you know, I'm just living. Like, it really, it really just feels like, even though, like, he's great in it, and it's not saying he's playing himself, but it is just, so, it just fits so perfectly within... I mean, I guess that's the whole thing about the McConaissance. It's like, it's all these performances really fit perfectly within his aesthetic. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, like, Sam Shepard is... Like, for Dallas yeah. and Magic Mike? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys seen the video where it was, like, after Sam Shepard died and, like, McConaughey was on, like, some red carpet, I think, for Dark Tower, and he learned about, like, Shepard passing away? He's like, Sam Shepard moved on? And he says, and, like, he, like, has the idea that, like... I have seen this. That Shepard, like, you could have made a trailer for Mud where it's just Shepard talking about Mud and, like, building up the idea of him and, like, that would have been enough. And it's, like, and, like, but no, it's true. I mean, Shepard's not in the movie that much, I guess. But, like, you do he's get, really like, the sense... He's he's so good. The thing that gets me... At, yeah, he's There are a couple things that, like, you get with a sense of history. I love that you first hear... We talk about how, like, kind of, like, the mythical quality of, like, Mud is how, like, he's always, like, whistling to people... Like seeing them before they see him and everything, but then you hear when Shepard invites Ellis over, he does the same whistling thing too, and that just sort of tells you like, so that's where Mud got it from. He got it from this guy probably, like just like that. That's how like you beckon people, <laughs> and I love the ending where like Shepard like is on the boat with Mud and like the way he like sort of tussles his hair, like as he's like waking his like young son up and everything. Almost, it's just like the shorthand and like their performances and like in the writing of that is just like so deeply felt i just i love all of that mm-hmm. um yeah. it's also like kind of weird like talking about like the climax it's maybe like against my better instincts but when like you like the shootouts happening in mud seems like he's screwed but then like the sni- the shot comes from off screen and you cut to like shepherd with the sniper rifle and like the david wingo score like the drums intensify it's like fuck that's cool like it's like they make that moment like appropriately rousing even though like it it is people dying and like then you have like kind of like the curtains like sort of like are lifted where like it's like again it's like you do like there is emotional weight to the the bodies being uh laid down and everything it's it's such yeah. a good movie. You, like you, and you know where the geography of everything is too mm-hmm. at that point yeah um i also like similarly to to that like like videos concerning the stars of the movie like um i think this was 
around the time as Michael Shannon reading that sorority letter, if you guys remember that. That is such a great video. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> is that a core memory of you guys too? Yeah, <laughs> I think I did memory. watch that in like eighth grade and like I was trying to just, I think yeah. I tried to tell my parents about it and it they didn't really get it. That was a pretty it's... big viral video, I think, yeah. Yeah. This um, is going to be a rough fucking ride. You better strap yourselves <laughs> in. Like it's, it's so great. Yeah. <laughs> um. This didn't. Um, it, it's it kind. It's a real bummer. This didn't make much of a splash at the Oscars either. Um, even though like it was up for the Palm Door, but but wasn't it like yeah, pretty financially bad. successful? Like for this kind of movie, it, it, it made some money. Um, I, I and I also just it's worth mentioning that this is. I, I remember this being like. Um, not only did I did I mention that what the flick, um, um, saying this a lot of praises, but a lot of critics really champion this one weird yes it only made um, 30 million worldwide i always assumed this was like a surprising like seven seventy or whatever yeah I, well i think it was it took it was one of those movies i think that started out limited and then like went wide as it goes as as like you know it gained more word of mouth i guess and i don't think I guess it this even was I, still I, early in the reconnaissance though i guess it's because it's like two uh, i don't know like it's interesting i i i bet this did gangbusters vod though and like streaming and like i bet this is definitely kind of that movie where everyone's like makane is in this why didn't i see it in theaters i'll check and like everyone like like just like likes it yeah and i think it's like you know it's only 30 million but i think this was like only like a 10 million dollar movie like, no it was only 10 million it's not a lot yeah so thing. it's just but fun. so yeah pretty good and then it clearly did well enough i mean midnight special is definitely like special effects wise like a big step up for like right. you know just like production wise like making that movie i mean you don't probably get to make that movie if your movie just doesn't hit in some way exactly um mm -hmm. yeah yeah and nichols does enter the oscar race with ruth nega yeah that's, that's interesting yeah um, yeah so i guess, I guess Although that, I, I wonder if that maybe lends the movie like kind of a reputation like i feel like we talk about a lot of movies where it's like oh what did this get nominated for just got nominated for an acting performance okay maybe that's like the only notable thing i, I haven't seen loving I, I i it might be a really good movie i'm curious to see how it fits into his filmography but it's not discussed that much and i think i think my no you know no you're so right and i think it would fall into that um that group if it weren't for nichols i think nichols is i mean like we kind of mentioned with a quiet place part three <laughs> i guess but it was it's sort of like it, it, with any other filmmaker that would be the most we all know what kind of movie that would be it would be the most like basic you know by the numbers um it the true like based on a true story it, it could be kind of like white maybe whitewashed you know but he's just so gentle and um and understand and understanding of people's circumstances and um the hardships they face um whether whether it be any movie he makes and loving is just the utmost perfect uh material for, for him to make and yeah edgerton and uh nega crush it and um if it weren't for him that would be i really like, can't believe this got uh, okay, nominated whatever, for yeah. zero oscars. At the oscars like not even like a production designer or whatever like it was a may release so maybe it got like lost in the shuffle of like all the movies that got nominated that year um mm. so like yeah and I, I don't know i and i mean of the mcconaughey performances that like were from this year that like you know of that oscar race i think this is like the best one probably i mean yeah it's I, I think we would all give it. Yes, yeah. I haven't seen that movie in a while, but I was not very impressed with it at the time. I, and I was rewatching the scene where he's yeah, like, I'm "Screw the FDA, I'm gonna be DOA." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, this is like, I mean, maybe performance-wise this is fine, but material-wise this is much worse." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and everyone always is like kind of um, losing themselves like over the weight he lost, and like uh, there's that shot where he's like all teary eyed yeah. in the car, where it's like, okay, it, yeah, like sorry, just to go back, um, Mud won the hit, right? Robert Altman <laughs> Award from the Indie Spirits. What's the Robert Altman Award? What's what is that like specifically? Oh, that's for? big. Yeah, that's that's a pretty. I think it, I'm guessing. Oh, so I think it's for ensemble it lists, because it lists all of the actors. Or no wait. Okay. Lists, no wait. No, it doesn't. No wait. No. Yes, it does. I, I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. No, it does. Okay. Because it, but it includes Jeff Nichols when it says like who won it. So it's like. Um, but he also, What's like he the, also was nominated for best director. So. At the Indie Spirits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this yeah. this definitely like, feels like, like um, choice an of words didn't really like, make a big splash. Like uh, it was player. interesting. Yeah, you would. Right, and but this you is would just like feel like at least the McConaughey performance like, is a slam I think dunk. Midnight, I at think least midnight special like, oh, is the one that's like McConaughey. He's divisive. great. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think maybe maybe maybe. Why do you think it would be now that it would be big 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 now? compared to like then what, what makes you think that i'm curious um oh just just um uh it wouldn't be um like cluttered with it would be returned to form things. like um yeah it's so many other bigger that's a, that's a good point yeah because like it, it coming like in between or like sort of on the heels of like something like killer joe and magic mike and uh lincoln lawyer and like all these other movies it does Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street that year, Wolf yeah, it just Street, kind of guess, like, like yeah. it's all like a just like a blur of good stuff, right. and then like, yeah, um, this would be like a big splash, like oh look, McConaughey is back to being like you know blah 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 or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, that's interesting. I have okay, so Absolutely. we should probably wrap up, but I want to ask, I want to ask you, Brad, one question, and then we'll go to our favorite scene, then we'll wrap up. But I, I'm still trying to. So you said so we as I asked you earlier, you've only seen this. This is the second time you've seen this. So when we asked you, okay, what movie do you want to talk about? Why was this one of the ones that stuck to your mind if you've only seen it like once at that time we asked you? I think it was process of elimination, looking at the stuff that you guys had covered. Like just sort of like, okay, damn, you know, go through that. Uh, look right. at that list. And I looked at like, the, I think at the end of like 2019, I did, I saw a bunch of people were making their best of the decade list. And I was curious, like thinking like, and like I made like a list just sort of thinking, okay, I guess like these are movies I loved at the time or like I loved like near the end of the decade. And Mud was one of them. And it's a, it is a pretty popular movie, I think. I mean, like, there's, like, 100,000 people who've watched it on Letterboxd, I think. So that's, like, I mean, that's if that's your barometer of, like, what's popular. But, um... Right. And I think I was... It was a movie that was, like, big for me, even though I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I think that's... Honestly, I think that's maybe why I wanted to talk about it, was to sort of revisit a movie I, that I felt was very important and sort of, like, what I considered great cinema at that age of, like, 14 and seeing, like, if that, like, still was something I really, like, just sort of spurring me to rewatch it, especially because I'd had this DVD for years. I literally had not even taken the plastic wrapper off of it until last night when I watched it again. And, um, wow. you know, I think like, it just, like, it finally gave me a reason to revisit it. And I'm very happy that I got to talk about it uh, in such great company, but also just, like, to sort of remind myself. And, like, just it's, it's nice, I think, to revisit a movie that, like, I loved uh, at a young age and find that there is still value in it. And that it, it like, it, that yeah. it, and I also now have reasons... To articulate why I really like it, right? Um, so that's very satisfying. It's uh, yeah, it's super satisfying. Yeah. You're like, I wasn't yeah, a sure. dumb like you know, like oh wow, I wasn't stupid for liking this movie. This movie actually is cool. It's like it's one of those things, right? Yeah, right, exactly. It's I've like, had oh, many no, of those right. times on this very show. Yeah, um, and now and now, 
well, I mean, of course, we all know the next time that you're going to be revi- revisiting something that is to right, exactly. confirm your stuff that is great cinema is how do you know? Yeah, yeah. And I can't wait for, for when we get to yeah, have you back. Yes. No, 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 no. It's not one of the greatest films I've ever made. It's just a complete oddity of the decade that I'm like, how did James L. Brooks spend $120 million on a movie that left no footprint and three movies. And they weren't even sure if they knew or just, not. Like, does nothing. Yeah. It, how how did I know it. that uh, it was uh, that? That was what the money was for. I, I, how do you I know? know? How did they know that Jim Brooks was gonna like delve into this women's softball industry and didn't? It wasn't really even about that, but just try to do like what's um, the broadcast story news, of the with fake, that women's the athletics? Regardless, regardless, what's it's story. If like oh I can't remember it I don't know it's something crazy where you're just like when you hear something like that you're like oh no fucking wonder it costs a hundred million dollars he was doing shit like that where it's just like oh sorry um no a hundred and twenty it is crazy how like I made a mistake yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know no, that it's, mistake it's is insane. worth twenty it's, million dollars it's insane like me like miscalculating that is a twenty million dollar <laughs> mistake right no 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 yeah. And, and right. like, regardless, though, I love J- James L. Brooks. Like, you know, I, I think he has a really strong batting average as a filmmaker. Like, but he gave careers to, like, you know, Wes Anderson and Cameron Crowe. And, like, he's set for life. The Simpsons, yeah. you know. Right, but, right, right, right. So, like, he has, like, a pass for life. Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. All right, let's get to the favorite um, scene. Yeah, great movie. Um, I think we can always, we can, uh, you know, do we have we anything better, we have to I'm say about mine? I'm starving. Mine? I need to eat. Or, is it. <laughs> um, is it our? Yeah, no, I got you. Oh, I guess just real quick, and then we'll go into fave scene. Like, do, is this our fave? Is oh, this our fave? I need to. I haven't seen Midnight Special in a long time. I haven't really yet. seen. I haven't seen Take Shelter or Shotgun. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I ask this, and I say like I would love to get to more of them soon. So I guess like unless we, I'm not the right. Ask them, we're like, do we want to? Don't spoil ask our me. Thoughts, I'm not the right person. I don't. I don't have an opinion like, yet because I need to watch Loving and mm-hmm. Take Take Shelter. Okay, BD. Yeah. What about you? I think this is my favorite is of the ones favorite? that I watched. I watched the one, in preparation for this. I watched Shotgun Stories, uh, Take Shelter, which I'd never seen before. This, like, of course, I had to rewatch. I rewatched it, and then I and then I watched Midnight Special last night. Um, I like all of them. They're all good. Midnight Special is the one that like kind of had just decreased a little <laughs> bit in my estimation yeah. for me. I feel like he kind of like doesn't quite get the, the the thriller elements in that movie and the emotional undercurrent even though there are ideas that i think work in theory and there are moments that work i feel like he kind of doesn't the air almost kind of like lets out of the tires before that movie is over but it's it's still really interesting and i think within his filmography like all the themes that he's interested in um it's it's really good and there are a lot of things i like in it individually um it's this is absolutely feels like a singular vision um and and of course like um, when you feel that, it's harder to, I think it's, uh, no, I'm sorry. I think it becomes easier to critique, but also like you have those that are, become sort of fanboys of that person where it's just like, no, I, right. I, I know what I'm getting from this filmmaker and, um, I'll be satisfied one way or the other, yeah. whatever, whatever they're going to be tackling. Um, but as for myself, like take shelters, I, I think that's his crowning achievement. Like, I think that, that mood that he creates, like something is coming it feels like kind of like a twilight no that's not good um but no he just i I love the mood that that um that that he creates and i think maybe even like my it's it's incredible the tenderness that he's able to bring even as that guy's losing his mind it's It's like or potentially losing his mind like it's like he still like feels like a human being like 
who like does like yeah. feel love for his family and it's yeah um and if we and if just to mention prep like i had never seen midnight special and i i watched it for this i agree with what you said i it's Right. I didn't didn't fully click. I know what he was going for. Yeah, I mean it's a I whole that's a whole other discussion. But like there are things in it. You can see where it's yeah, heads at. Um, yeah, and, you know, I would love talk, to talk I about that. I mentioned one. briefly yeah. like David Wingo's score. Like he like collaborates with him like on like that's like I think he's like Wingo like first was like David Gordon Green's regular composer and like he gets like really good work out. Nichols gets really good work out of uh, Wingo and like all his movies, mm-hmm. including maybe especially like Midnight Special. That scores awesome. But, yeah. I, I like every I like everything that I've seen of yeah, his. Absolutely. I look forward to yeah. seeing more from him, and I think that's the best thing I can say. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have a favorite scene from Mud? Oh gosh, I mean the the, the, the Mud be, performing the selfless act of delivering Ellis to the hospital is beautiful. Um, I think uh, the scene where Ellis is like trying to like having like the distance chat with his dad and like on the porch when he's learning about the divorce and the the move. Those are all like beautifully directed and acted. Um, yeah, uh, the May Pearl breakup scene. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm naming scenes. plurals. Yeah, I'm, 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 you want my answer? The hospital scene, the the, the mud go. delivering Ellis to the hospital. That's like everything that that like right. that, that's just like a great uh, uh, emotionally, character wise, and like also just like pacing wise like that's just like that feels like a moment that the film has been building to and it's so thrilling and moving that could time. be the climax of the movie even without the shootout like that could serve and that would still be okay like yeah i, mm-hmm. I, I don't have a problem yes. with the shootout but it's still think and it was wild to hear that it was wild to hear that was mcgonahay wow really that's wow crazy is that yeah what an actor mm-hmm. what an actor i mean i've I'm already like, said that i like he probably gives the yeah. best performance in any christopher nolan movie besides maybe heath ledger um, I, I think he's incredible in Interstellar. So I'm, I'm always yeah. Team Conaghy, but like, yeah. true. Like, that's first day of shooting. That's fucking tough. That's fucking tough. Like, not that just like physically, he... but just like all of it. Uh, I'm, I'm a little. I'm actually a little confused. I, I, that, I thought you, know, you said Bran on Tenet. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm, that's crazy. Okay. What about you guys? Yeah, what are your favorite scenes in the movie? Um, I'm curious. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I have one. I'm still going over it, mine. It's, do you, it's do you have Sheridan a, do your set? giving McConaughey yeah. the what for. Okay. It, it's, I think it's the best performance Sheridan gives throughout the whole movie because it is really just all the frustrations of like, what the fuck, dude? Like, really? Like, all of this shit, like, you can't even, like, you you sell yourself as this badass who has these, you know, weird shirts and these cool boots and doesn't and doesn't sleep from the same, doesn't sleep in the same place every fucking night. Some, for some reason, sleeps in, like, a weird, like, rope thing in a tree and i don't know how you're sleeping that but like you do all these cool things and you do bonfires or whatever and you still you can't even give a girl a note like you can't even do yeah. that like yeah really I, like it's crazy i love sharing this line reading bonfires wolves up bullshit like yeah, it's just it like so good. like the way he just spits out the words it's like in that voice <laughs> it's so good yeah that's right. it's so perfectly like that age that it, right, I, exactly. I keep filming this when he's like yeah. 15 13 14 something it's like it's the power of uh actually casting oh, an yeah. actor Top and it works yeah and it works too yeah. because like so, it's just yeah. like that kid like like i've been saying like he's just like so he's playing it so cool and not revealing anything until that until like that moment when he just like can't hold it in any longer so it, it works it, yes. yeah 
He's a good cry. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a weird thing to say, but he's like a really good crier in that scene. It's one of those like mm-hmm. when I, I I see like a lot of actors who like give these like fully formed like sentences with like coherent thoughts when they cry, but and, and like seem like you know they're like it's like they're just talking, but they're also tears coming out of his eyes. It's like in that scene though, like Sheridan looks legitimate. Like I'm like I'm distressed. Like this is I'm really like my world has been shattered, and like and like the bullshit line is. It's one of those things where he's, like, listening to things like, you know, there's this, there's that, bullshit. You know, it's, like, you know, it, 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 it's this weird, like, rhythm to it that I think he really sells. Um, I, 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 like, he, I, and also it's one of those things where I think crying, kids crying in general can either, it can be very hit or miss. Sometimes it's just like, oh, my God, shut up. And the other times it's, like, this is, like, horrible. Like, like it, it, this is, like, really upsetting. And I think that he hit the latter for sure. Um for sure. And, like, and, and it all feels justified, too. I think that's really hard when it's, like, I think that's really hard in a film like this where you, like, where you have someone give this, ins- like, not insane outburst, but it's a big outburst. It's, like, a big, like, I am, like, crying and, like, like hitting you repeatedly, even though I've only shown you affection this entire movie. It's, like, I legitimately have, I, I'm yeah. at the end of my rope. It's hard to always, like, justify that 100%, I think. It, it sometimes always will... It, it feel like almost not... Like, I feel like a lot of times it always feels like... I understand why this is a reaction, but I never felt totally like it was built up to this level. But this time it totally does, and I think it's... Like, I also think McConaughey, who doesn't say, like, a line in that, is incredible. Just, like, the surprise and shock in his face and, like, the sheer, like, disappointment in himself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Just putting his arms up, not trying to put up a fight, just like, okay, right. fine, I probably deserve this. It's right, like, exactly. let, we'll let you get this out. Yeah. Yes. He's surrendering. Really yeah, point. that's how I read it. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's my favorite scene. It's like the most emotionally gratifying, not gratifying, but like fulfilling, I think. It's because it has all this, has all this mm-hmm. stuff in it that you want. And I think everyone in it is really good. Even Neckbone is just kind of like, like, it's okay. Like, just being there. <laughs> He's just kind of a passive observer. I mean, like, Neckbone is, I mean, we, we talk about the, the character. I love any time he's like, like I'm Alice, this is Nick, and, and whole, Nick's like, like, just like, hey, how's it going? I'm Nick. Yeah, Alice is always the one taking charge, <laughs> stepping right, to the front. Right. Yeah. He knows the, he knows the, the role. Way, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, not to like yes. drag this out anymore, but like, I love that Nick one, like, is like, you do get this genuine sense of friendship with like Alice and everything when like, when like they, they get attacked in the hotel room by uh, Paul mm-hmm. Sparks and like Alice is like or Neckbone's the one who's just like we have fish we have fish like he's just like concerned about it and he goes up to his and he's like are you okay like he really they have does great chemistry they're really good yeah. like the look that they share at each other I think there's like there's yeah, something really that like McConaughey like he, he's spouting off about some mystical uh, BS or whatever and like there's like a point where like you know there's just like a little look that like uh, that Sheridan and Laughlin share with each other just as freaking like okay Sure, right, whatever right, you say. Right. Like it's just like a yeah, little private sure. look they have between mm-hmm. each other. It's yeah, like totally <laughs> so great. Yeah. They clearly don't. They, I think both um, Ellis and Nickbone know plenty of adults in their lives. They just yeah. have never met an adult like this, and it's like they're trying to rewire their, themselves. Like, oh, you can grow up to be a person mm-hmm. that I'm 21 years old. I still like haven't this. met an adult um, like that. That's actually great. <laughs> um. Well, it's great that you yeah, mentioned really them good. in the hotel room because that was my scene <laughs> where it's like they first meet Juniper and it's like um, their the intimidation on their faces is great. Um, the the confusion with everybody. Um, I, I think Paul Sparks, like the look of that character just feels like an outsider, but it's not like, but still a character that yeah. you can see living it, being in this world. Um, 
uh, just just like with the, you don't we don't see any suits. We don't see any. Well, he's like, wearing like a Cadillacs or anything. It's it's just yeah. like it's all presence. Um, yeah. I see. Oh, oh no, I, see I mean, what you're like saying. we don't see. see what yeah. He's like he's yeah. in a different yeah. world than everyone else. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He's the black hat coming to town. And I mean, like I. Right, right, and and I would say um, that's a whole different movie. Um, and it's like I remember I remember in some reviews like. Um, there's like several yeah, different movies fair. going on, right. um, like with but yeah. Elsa's parents, like yeah, know. and the Spark stuff. I mean, right, I mean like, like in a good way, like the sort of class like yeah. difference that I think is like definitely part of like shotgun stories, where it's like you know fishermen and farmers like be, having very different upbringings, like fighting each other partly because of that. Uh, there's like I mean there's yeah I mean Sparks like has the line where he says to Ellis, and it sounds like a threat, but also like a class insult where he's like, I bet you know every hole and ditch in this town and everything. The way he delivers are... that line is so like condescending. Like I know every ditch. Like the way he like enunciates ditch is like so yeah. like oh Jesus, all right man. And, and also how Nichols is so interested in seeing how kids view adults and how adults like right. affect their behavior in front of kids. It's what's so scary about that hotel room scene is how Sparks. Even, I mean, he straight up cold cocks, like, Sheridan and everything. But then even after he realizes that they're not connected to the mud thing, he still threatens Reese Witherspoon with the knife. He does not care. He's, like, right. just, like, he, and like I feel, he feels like he's above it and, like, still acts that way. It's really scary. I came here to do a job. I'm doing the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, really good movie. Yes. I was I was pleasantly surprised to be like, wow, this is actually good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you for choosing it to us. Thank this you for giving great. this movie this to us. My pleasure. Um, thank, thank you so much for inviting here. me on. This was, this was great. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, uh, do you have to plug um, anything? I don't know. I mean, I guess if you... Uh, shout out. I, I'm not really... Do you think you're working on, I guess? I'm not really active on Twitter, uh, but like you can like... Or like I, I don't really post a lot of stuff, but you can follow me at Bryden Doyle, capitalize the B and the D. And then um, mm-hmm. I'm on Letterboxd at uh, J Doyle, I think is what my handle is maybe. But like, yeah, I don't know. Um... I, I, and Twitter, if I'm writing anything, like I, I'll post whatever I write there. Um, even though I'm not doing a whole lot of that now, but yeah, this was this was great. Um, nice. Thank you so much. I'm really glad I got to revisit this movie uh, for this podcast and talk about it with you guys. So thank you for that. Oh yeah, oh mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, when you do have something to write and promote, these are the things. So it's like, you no, know, we now we now know the places. It's, yeah, um, yeah. I can be found at Twitter uh, Jack A Draper. Um, I'm on Letterboxd. I think it's just, I think my name is just Jack Draper7. Um, my writing on film is at The Simple Cinephile, Cineflakes Daily, and Cinema, etc., as well as my own personal medium. The, I really, really enjoyed, though, how oh, successful this movie is. It's like Amazon Prime, Hulu, um, oh. it's on Tubi. Oh, interesting. Um, and next week, we're going to be sticking in with 2012 in the circle, the Broken Circle Breakdown. Uh, Rafa Sales Ross will be here with us for that one. And uh, yeah, I'm going to learn some music for, for that. I'm course. definitely not going to learn music for that one. Uh, I know nothing about music. <laughs> well, it's another music. Never, it's another music. I will never learn music so about I, anything, so don't worry about We just that. did Frank. Um, yeah. Everyone f- can follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter and on Letterboxd. You can follow me at Mr. Clay Williams on Instagram. You can follow the podcast Twitter account at ETT Pod. You can follow the podcast Instagram account at exiting 2010s uh you can subscribe to us on itunes spotify whatever podcast platform you listen to um you can uh leave a voicemail on anchor email us at exiting through the 2010s at gmail.com remember to rate review subscribe give us five stars retweet do anything you can to share the podcast 
Uh, and, you know, be safe, everyone. Get vaccinated. Wear a mask. Do the good things. Uh, be kind to yourself. Um, and as always, stop Asian hate. Black Lives Matter. Free Palestine. I'll catch y'all next time on Exiting Through the 2010. <laughs>